0: Jealousy, it's deceitfulness, it's vindictiveness, it's all of that stuff, you know? But, I mean, God, what can you expect when you're on top, you know? It's like Napoleon, when he was the king, you know, people were just constantly trying to conquer him, you know, in the Roman Empire, so it's re- history repeating itself all over again. To all the critics out there, you know, I know they're going to be reviewing this, and I know they're going to try to knock me. I just want them to know, is it okay if I say this into camera remember? I only am who I am because I was born that way. I have a gift, and I am trying to not be selfish about it, but to use it, okay? And if you want to knock me for that, it's your own problem, okay? Jealousy will get you nowhere. I'm going to keep rocking on.
1: For Dirk Diggler, the future is something to look forward to, not to fear. He is a creative man of many interests, Film, poetry, karate, music, and dance. He is a man of passion and mystery. He is a man of lust.
2: The uh, Rick radio. The best, the best thing about that speech, by the way, is how when uh, Julianne Moore as Amber Waves, she does the, she pronounces karate. Genius, genius. Asha and I had a whole bonding moment about boogie nights. Of course you did.
0: I'm just saying. All
3: right.
2: I love that movie so much. That speech right there is a minute and fifteen seconds. I had to cut it down from four and a half minutes, and I was—it just agonized me every time I had to cut it. I was like, oh, but it's going cool wonderful. You
3: have been weirdly obsessed with this movie lately.
2: You know what it is? It's because I realized that I hadn't really watched the actual film for a couple years, because it—it's it, got a fantastic commentary. Because Paul Thomas Anderson, my opinion, just my assessment of the situation, speeding out of his brain on several kinds of chemicals and at several points during the audio commentary which is which is fantastic because it's a lot about the background of the film and how he shot it and his inspiration for it but I will just say this if you listen to the commentary for Boogie Nights which is probably my favorite like straight commentary of all time it's probably the best commentary that's not you know just supposed to be sort of funny like the Kevin Smith ones um, a, he, he has all the attributes of a man who has just done a tremendous amount of cocaine. And B, at several points during the commentary, you could hear him loudly finish a drink and then say things like, Hey, sweetheart, can you get me another one of these? Yeah, thanks so much. Anyway, we shot this scene with a Panaflex 150, and then just, but I'm not even really doing justice to it. The opening words of the commentary on Boogie Nights, like as the New Line logo is just coming up on the screen... Paul Thomas Anderson, is bl- and I think this is right when he was, and again, I'm not saying he was on drugs. I don't know that, that to be to, to, to be the case. I do know that he was really drunk and dating uh, Fiona Apple at that point. He was just going through, like, his crazy period. But the opening words in the commentary, all right, all right, let's F and do this. And then what sounds suspiciously like kind of a, so, I don't know. Um, but I've watched it so many times with the commentary on, I realized that I hadn't actually watched the film in a couple of years. So I watched it last weekend. Just as genius as I remembered. Yes, yeah, Sarah. Up to and including the prosthetic penis. Hi. Okay. It's four minutes and eighteen seconds after the hour of eleven, and it's the month of November in the year of our Lord two thousand and seven. Thank you for coming along, making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly Austin patient studios of AM970 Solid State Radio. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. I am he. Uh, it is Monday. And welcome to Day 12. Thank you for coming along. We appreciate it. We're here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Uh, our telephone phone numbers today are 503-733-2970. 503 733 uh, two nine seventy. Yes, that is five zero three P
4: by seventy.
2: It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Your comments, your clarifications, your conventions, your two cents, your corrections, your odds, your ends, your humble figurines of conversation. Whatever it is you want to bring to the table today, five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Our good friend Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the somewhere in between, the just plain indefinable. Uh, It's 503-733-2970. You want to email us, you can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah with an H at 970.am or Tim at 970.am. All right. Uh, We'll do introductions and whatnot all the way around here in just a second. We'll talk about what's coming up in the news department. Tim Riley has returned. Hello, Tim. Hello, I'm back. (laughs) There you go. The king of the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know, so Bruce was here and Timmy Ryan was Timmy Ryan uh, was right there. We had Bruce Agler. um, It was kind of a strange couple of days, actually, on, well, we'll just talk about this now. So on Thursday, yeah, Bruce uh, Agler, our programmer emeritus, he was here for the first couple hours, Mm -hmm. uh, and then we had Timmy Ryan come in and handle the last couple of hours. And then when it turned out that you were also going to be gone Friday, Mm -hmm. uh, we had Timmy Ryan came in. And I've learned, I don't want to call him Timmy Ryan because, you know, Timmy, grown man. Timmy, blah, blah. Except on, I've, I've learned well but I, and I've learned that I have to because other because Riley and Ryan to the to the untrained ear you know if you're just li- ca- casually listening Tim Ryan Tim Riley it'll all kind of blend together yeah. Um, so yeah so Timmy Ryan was here on Friday for the first time and then Susan Reynolds came in did you know this Susan Reynolds with her long and storied career in broadcasting decades in radio having worked at some of the best and brightest stations in this country she worked at WGN of all places she used to ride the elevator with Paul Harvey had never done news uh, in her whole life, she never did. So we brought her in, had her do news, so she can check that off. She's one step closer to a happy death. I don't mean to be it, but now that's something to think she's done. All right. Well, in any event, so yeah. So Friday was Timmy Ryan and Susan Reynolds. Oh, good. All there right.
5: Nothing but good reports about everyone.
2: No, everybody. You know, everybody. Performance. They, are, they are no you, but they did their best. They did a yeoman's job, as they used to say. Uh, eh, anywho, coming up later on today's program, ladies and gentlemen, we will talk to you with the lovely Lisa Desjardins. Apparently, there's some. I don't even really care about it. It just says, Pakistan crisis. But, you know, there's always a Pakistan... Really, the crisis is just that you're living in Pakistan. I mean, if you wake up every day and look around and you're in Pakistan, it's like your life can only ever get so good. You know what I mean? Like, really, how good can your day be you're living in Pakistan? Uh, Let's see. What else? Uh, Jim Rupp will join us uh, from Los Angeles, where uh, well, I guess the writers' strike did officially begin today. I guess they're walking out, and you know who the head of the the, the head of the strike is—a guy who used to work on Futurama. So and it's, it's the only way I can make myself care about this. What else are we doing? Uh, top five that I, I did mean to get to this last week We didn't uh, because it was a really long one. I wanted to do one on Friday because Storm was here, and Storm is actually on the list. Um, he missed Storm was gonna, and Wade. He missed Storm Waller and Wade McCollum from Cabaret, Tim Riley. Darn it. Well, I enjoyed the show. Wade, Wade McCollum sat in that chair right there. Storm sat right here. They were all together in one place like some sort of a...
3: And then Aaron was here and drank a lot of boxed wine.
2: And you were there? And you were there, Sarah? <laughs> uh, anyway, we have the top five cover songs of all time. It's put together by the crew at The Rose and Thistle, uh, truly one of Portland's finest establishments. It's our first. So we'll get to that. What else? Uh, I do believe we're going to talk to Oregonian TV critic Peter Carlin. Uh, let's see. Nail guns, nail guns, everywhere nail guns. And we'll answer this burning question. In what countries is the Rick Emerson show most loved? Uh, so i got a whole breakdown of that. i got it broken down by everything. Everything. I got it broken down by country. I got it broken down by city. I got it broken down by state. I have it broken down by operating system. Uh, Bridget from upstairs pulled that together for us, so we'll uh, we'll go over that. And I think that's uh, when your phone calls and some other bits of nonsense. Oh, and a big pile of stuff uh, from this weekend. God, it was a busy weekend. I mean, it, on the one hand, I don't really I didn't really accomplish anything of value or worth. On the other hand, it just seems like I was constantly I. It, it's, I was constantly going places. Like I was every ten minutes, it seems like there was some place I had to be. None of it really productive. None of it making me a better person or helping society in any way. Um, but we'll talk more about that with Sarah in uh, in just a moment. Let's see. Well, what are these calls here? See if I should get these now or Huh. Sarah, should I take these calls first, or should we talk about last night first?
3: No, because then we'll never stop talking about last night. So All I should
2: right. take calls. All right. Uh, and then we'll uh, find out what's happening in the news. Hi, uh, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
6: Hey, Rick and Sarah. Good morning. What's uh, up? I had, uh, Tim is you know, here, too, you know. Huh? Tim is here. Tim is here. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, hi, Tim. Uh, hello. Anyway, uh, what I needed to know was you, you listened to all these movies uh, that you were talking about earlier, and uh, I recorded most of them this weekend on my DVR, and I needed to know what in what order should I watch uh, Pan's Labyrinth, uh, Galaxy Quest, uh, Boogie Nights, or, and or the Iron Giant. Oh,
2: wait, hold on. So you recorded, all right, hold on. Pan's Labyrinth, Boogie Nights, Iron Giant, and what's the other one?
6: Uh,
2: uh, Galaxy Quest. Uh,
6: Galaxy Quest,
2: yeah. All right. I have not seen uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Sarah has to weigh in on that. Sarah, Pan's Labyrinth.
3: Um, It's pretty disturbing.
2: Pretty dark? But very, very beautiful at the same time. Do you want to end on an up or a down, sir?
6: Oh, so I want to end on
2: it up. You want to end on it up? You end with Galaxy Quest. So that's number four. Um, how dark is Pan's Labyrinth?
3: There's a lot of torture and...
2: Because um, mm. Boogie Nights is a very Scorsese-esque S- film. Four it's, movies again? it's bleak. Um, Pan's Labyrinth, Boogie Nights, Iron Giant, Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest is, is the Galaxy only flat-out right? comedy. Yeah, end with Galaxy Quest. Okay. Iron Giant is... You'll cry like no, a girl, say, but it's heartwarming.
3: Yeah, I'd say what was... um.
2: Boogie Nights? I'd say Pan's Boogie Labyrinth. Nights,
3: Pan's Labyrinth, then uh, Iron Giant, right. and Galaxy Quest. Sir,
2: start with Boogie Nights. You're going to need
3: an up after Pan's Labyrinth. Well,
2: so cool. start, with, start with Boogie Nights, uh, go to Pan's Labyrinth, Iron Giant, which is beautiful but, but poignant, and then end with Galaxy Quest, which is laugh out loud funny. All right, cool.
6: Hey, All sir, right. one question. Did you get the pictures of the... Uh, uh, I I did, I did. Thank you. All right,
2: cool. All right, you have to call another... Have you seen any of these movies before, sir?
6: Well, I started to watch Pan's Labyrinth the other day, but I shut it off after the guy got his face beat in with the beer bottle, I think it was or something at the
2: very beginning. Of course. Oh. Well, maybe, maybe a few beers. I hope you put that down easier, sir. Yeah. All right. Well, you got to call us All back. Right. Let us know how this worked out. Will do. Thank Jesus. you. Thank you. Boy, I don't envy anybody who's going to watch Pan's Labyrinth and Boogie Nights back-to-back. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen Pan's Labyrinth. I've just heard how relentlessly bleak it was. Jesus.
3: It is. It really is one of those losing your faith in humanity kind of. Yeah.
2: Now, when it works too, because he's going from straight. And it, it, here's the thing: is it becomes it, it becomes progressively more surreal. Boogie Nights very grounded in reality. Pan's Labyrinth surreal. Iron Giant, which is based in reality, but which is a but which is an animated film. Um, and then of course Galaxy Quest, which is a merging of the two. There you go. One more, and then we'll go around the room. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hello.
7: Uh, I saw the
2: video. Uh, last. Oh yeah, the video. Um. So we're going to read the definitive account of watching the video, and then we'll move on from that. Because otherwise, because otherwise I'll feel like the guy who just who unleashed like the super flu on, on humanity in the stand, and I'll just feel like I'm going to be single-handedly responsible for destroying Western civilization. So what were your I thoughts on it? So.
7: What were your thoughts uh, on it, sir? That was... Uh... Holy crap, man. That was easily the worst thing that I've seen in a long time.
2: And that really is saying something, especially if you are a listener to this program and you've probably seen and heard many, many horrible things.
7: Oh, yeah. You know, I was on board for the whole BARF episode. Uh, all, all of the bits and pieces involved on that.
2: Yeah. This,
7: this easily trumps all of that. Now, that's, that's ridiculous.
2: Now you have something to punish your enemies with, sir. Yeah, Next time yeah. one of your friends gets in your face, owes you money, it's all uppity, send him that disguise as a Britney Spears video or something.
4: <laughs> that's
0: glorious.
2: All right. Well, I'm glad I could help, my friend.
0: Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Bye. All right. All right.
2: Um, oh, we're terrible. Oh, that's true. Oh, we're terrible people. I'm sorry, I was reading an email about this. Okay, well, I'll read the definitive email about that, to, that terrible video later on. Uh, Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification scooter. A 12-million-year-old whale is found on the Oregon coast.
5: And a 71-year-old man beaten on the max and complained about the violence and drug dealing aboard before. Larry King doesn't know who Jerry Seinfeld is. A hiker without food, water matches, and a flashlight is found cuddling with his dog in the Estacado Wilderness. And... A Florida man is charged with attacking a dead body in a casket. Attacking? Wait, is it a sexy kind of attacking? No, it's apparently he had something against his fellow
2: back when he was alive. Well, that is your chance to really take a free shot, as they say. That's your chance just for a free throw. Florida justice. (laughs) Pusser style. Uh, Buford Pusser. That's what what we need to board the max, right? Buford Pusser? Yep. What an unfortunate name Buford Pusser is. Half of it's disgusting and half of it's just just hick. Jesus. All right. Okay, well, we got all that. Um, Well, let me read this. Let me read this final. uh, This is going to be the definitive email. This is going to be the final recap of the video, which cannot be discussed. Uh, and we're done We're done with, with showing it to people, at least on the air. Unless someone really crosses us. Or unless we have somebody in the studio who really needs to be broken in some way. Uh, this is going to be the final recap, and then we'll talk about uh, this weekend, which was busy for all of us, I think. Let's see, we've got this. I will not have it. This person asks for anonymity and shall receive it. Subject line, Rick, I think I am broken. Rick, curiosity finally got to me. I wanted to see the video. After hearing the reactions of people watching it on your show, I just had to scratch that itch in my brain. So I clicked. I watched. And then it happened, Rick. I don't know if it's because I mostly sussed out what I'd be seeing from the on-air discussions, but... I had very little reaction. Sure, there was some shock and surprise, a twinge of, wow, that's pretty revolting. But it didn't seem to bother me very much at all. To tell the honest-to-God truth, Rick, I meandered downstairs and had some chocolate chips that were on the counter afterward. And I'm not making that up. The only thing I can blame my non-reaction on is that, as a diehard listener to your show for about six years, maybe I'm just broken. Broken, Rick, after years and years of stories about teenagers digging up a corpse to have sex with it. Broken after stories like the one Storm tells in a promo you run about a in the soggy bandana mouse, which I found more unsettling than this video. Oh. Stories of people dying horrifying deaths, stories of dismemberment, flesh-eating diseases, spiders crawling in and out of your mouth, spiders crawling all over dead bodies. Rick, I believe that the uh, the uh, I believe the Rick Emerson show has broken my soul. But the fact that you, Court, Fatboy, Aaron, and other myriad people watching that video couldn't make it through leads me to believe that perhaps, Rick, I was broken before I found your program. Maybe that's what attracted me to your program, Rick. Perhaps the Rick Emerson Show is like a porch light for the audience's black-souled moths. Only God can help us now. All right, there you go. Final summation of
7: that video. Done and done. And
2: also done. All right. Uh, I got a whole pile of stuff from this weekend, so we're going to work our way through chronologically. Um, Let's see. Uh, So, I saw a couple things this weekend, one of which nobody cares about because it's already like like a month and a half old. Uh, The other which, I think American Gangster opened at number one. Do we know? Did American Gangster debut at number one? Anybody? Bueller? I No. I got nothing. I saw uh, that new George Clooney film, New Wish, came out last... I came out in October, I think. Michael Clayton was actually really good. And here's the thing about George Clooney. I can't tell if George Clooney is a really good actor or not. Because he always just seems so effortless. That is a guy that has absolutely effortless charm. I mean, everything that guy does, even I mean, no matter what kind of movie it is, it just... Uh, usually phoning an in seems like a, that's, a, that's an insult. And people say that in a bad way. George Clooney seems like he just sort of shows up and they just happen to point the camera in. And Plus, it always looks like he's... I always get the sensation that he's just driven from his house in whatever it is he's wearing. It's like he just shows up and says, Hi, I'm George Clooney. And he's got that weird, sort of craggy kind of scrapey, resonant voice to him. Anyway, uh, Michael Clayton is—it's uh, a, a great film. It really is. Not like Earth Shaking. It's not, you know—sort of a courtroom detective legal thriller kind of a thing. But it's a solid—it's a solid piece of movie making, as they say. With a couple scenes that are really legitimately disturbing. Um, and then I saw American Gangster this weekend, which is fantastic. And the thing about—and I, I made a little note to myself here. It says, let's see, about American Gangster, Russell Crowe can act. Russell Crowe is one of those guys that you just are so used to hearing about him because he's just in the tabloids all the time, or he's beating somebody with a phone, or he's touring, you know, Auckland, New Zealand, with that band of his, or he's, uh, you know, or, or he's set himself about a, a bunch of on a bunch of paparazzi with a tire iron or something, and you kind of forget that Russell Crowe really has an amazing ability to act. Like you forget that he was uh, the Insider, and that he was uh, he was in L.A. Confidential, and like for some reason Russell Crowe the actor. It just, I completely forget that he exists. To me, I think maybe I've watched too many South Park episodes with that guy. Because to me, when I think Russell Crowe, I just think like an angry guy in a hotel room who's punching people. You know, who's just kind of going because every time you read about him, you don't think
3: been... of Gladiator or Beautiful Mind no, or anything bec- else.
2: No, because all because all of the stories in the media about him being drunk and attacking photographers, I think, have like pushed his acting ability out of my mind.
3: See, I always think about him and his um, torrid affair with uh, Meg Ryan with that See? crap movie that they made.
2: That's what was that? I don't even I don't know, even what, it know was. what it was. Yeah. See, that's the thing. You just it's like a Billy. You just think about him as a guy who knocked up what's her name, Mary? Uh, um, Mary Stuart Mary? No, no, Mary. Um, Isn't it? No, it's it's what's Mary Parker? Mary? Mary Louise Parker. Mary Louise Parker, and then left her for Claire
3: Danes. Claire Danes. Claire Danes has no soul.
2: <sighs> Doesn't she seem like she does? She's just
0: vacant. No, nah, she's a vacuous
2: person. Anyway, so Russell Crowe though can really act. I sort of forgot about that. Uh, so he, the American Gangster, has Russell Crowe and Denzel Washington, and it is it's a Ridley Scott film. He did of course Alien. He did Blade Runner. He did G.I. Jane, um, and I think he did Thelma and Louise. Um, anyway, American Gangster is a really, really good film. Uh, it owes a lot to The Godfather 2, and it owes a lot to Goodfellas. But it's a really solid film. Great soundtrack, great cinematography. Um, and, it just, and it's like three hours long, but it doesn't feel like it. So I strongly urge you to see American Gangster. I think it did open at number one. It's, it's a really Not to be confused with that BET series we were giving away. So you got to check that out. It's a great movie. All right. Done and done. All right. So let's talk about last night, Sarah Dillon. Okay, Rick Emerson. So, I... How are you today?
3: I'm doing good. Look at me. I've complained through the pain. Okay. I even rode my bike to work today.
2: Oh, I didn't do that. If that. No way. I mean, look, it could have be worse. I could have been my wife who got to bed at around one thirty and had to get up at five. So my wife is uh, my wife is taking yeah, care. She was
3: of... drinking big girl drinks with me.
2: Yeah, she's administering meds to people today <laughs> on three and a half hours of sleep. So if you are in the care of a nurse today who seems to be listing from side to side and reeks heavily of gin, and she's trying to give you an injection and it's taken her eight or nine times to find that vein, that's my wife. Don't feel, don't feel scared about that. No, I'm sure she'll find it eventually. All right. Yeah, I don't think I'm a good influence on her. No. Or on anyone. But it's okay. (laughs) I just
3: wanted her to have fun. I didn't force
2: her to drink. So here's the thing. So on Friday night, I guess, or Saturday night maybe it was, I got this email from Jen Lane at Barfly Magazine. And uh, it was like, hey, you know, you've been nominated for an award in the 2007 Barfly Awards. And so I go down and I pick up my, my packet or whatever. And so now when did you find out you had been nominated?
3: Uh, I think like Barfly last Award. week. Yeah, see, I I did... sc- yeah somebody, had, um, one of my friends told me, I think Squid told me actually, he said that he saw it on the website or in an email.
2: Yeah, so I didn't know. So I, I found out a couple days ago. Um, so I don't, it, there's so many punchlines here, I don't even know in what order to give them. So I had been nominated, the Barfly 2007 awards were last night. I have been nominated, for whatever reason, in the most likely to become famous Category and oh. uh, I was up against um, I was up against Storm and Wade McCollum who was also in Cabaret and some guy named Corey Smith who no one anywhere had heard of so uh, so those yeah who first... was
3: this Corey Smith he was I nominated no for, or he or she
2: he was nominated in some other category too but nobody knew who Corey Smith was and then Sarah Dillon was nominated for a Barfly Award for last night's 2007 <laughs> Barfly uh, Award ceremony. Would you like to give the category, Sarah? No. All right. Sarah was nominated in the... And I am not making this up. Sarah Dillon was nominated, along with three other lucky souls. (laughs) I swear to you, this is the name of the category. Sarah Dillon was nominated last night in the Best Drunk category.
3: The description is a lot better than the title.
2: It would have to be. Description,
3: yeah. It's your favorite drinking buddy.
2: Someone who can someone who can drink heartily without passing out.
3: Yeah, someone who can throw down without throwing up.
2: Someone who's fun to be around. Yes. None of those things were in the title though. The title was simply <laughs> Best Drunk. And so Anyway, so Sarah and I and Laura and some of our friends, our friends Pasha, Byron, Beck from the Willamette, uh, who was also nominated for and best writer, L- and
3: life partner Juan, his
2: boyfriend Juan, who was great. Uh, so we all kind of go to the Barfly Awards last night at, at Mount Tabor, and that place was packed, by the way.
3: That was I am so proud of Jen Lane. That I mean, it was, was an amazing party. I'd say
2: probably 500 people. Oh, I mean, at it was least hundreds.
3: And it was everyone. I mean, I've met people through many walks of life since I've lived here for you know the past six years, and I like everyone I've ever met at any bar was there.
2: Yeah, it was it,
3: like any bar. Tender, any person in the industry that's known in any way was
2: there. It was an amazing party, really. And I'm not much of a party guy, and I'm not much of a bar guy, but it was a really, really great event. So if you were at the 2007 Barfly Awards last night, you know what I'm talking about. So uh, as is often the case... I can't tell the story chronologically. It would just be too long, and I'm a bad storyteller. So I have simply made a bunch of observations from last night. These are simply things that I wrote down last night during the 2007 Barfly Awards, uh, as attended by Sarah and myself and a whole bunch of other folks. All right. Random observations from last night. 10.36 p.m. Byron Beck just said to me, Rick, you should be a magician. You have a... Dumbledore thing going on. (laughs) And I noted to Byron that of the two of us, he's really the one that has the Dumbledore thing going on. So I don't really know what he meant by that. Let's see. What else do we have here? This is from last night. You
3: have the Dumbledore thing going on? I don't know what he even meant. He's like... Byron was
2: way... Byron was so drunk. Byron Beck from the Willamette, who we love, but he was so unbelievably (laughs) intoxicated. And at one, and he's at one point he just leans across the table and he sort of slurs at me. says, you you really ought to be a magician, you have kind of a Dumbledore thing going on. And then I think he actually made like little cat clawing gestures in the air at me. So I don't even really know what that was about. Um so Sarah, I don't even this is all these are all out of order. I'll skip ahead to the I awards hate it section.
3: when you start sending this. Do you remember saying? Well,
2: I have to ask you. So again, at the Barfly Awards last night, they were given the awards one by one, and of the three of us at the table, which was uh, uh, you, myself, and our friend Pasha, uh, Pasha who won for best starving artist, but, but they... her,
3: her category was also called most likely to be fat. Yes. So see, they were all kind of misported.
2: When they got to the when they got to the best drunk uh, category, do you remember sitting there and just being all sullenly convinced that you weren't going to win? You're yeah. just all, like, preemptively dejected. I'm not going to win Best Drunk. I'm a failure.
3: <laughs> well, all the, I knew a couple of the people that I was up against, and they're very well-known, like, very well-liked people.
2: And alcoholics, you can say it. Oh, alcoholic is such a loose term. So you did not think you were going to win the Best Drunk Award at the Barfly <laughs> Awards last night, but we were all convinced that you would. I mean, for all the best reasons. And when they, when they when she said, and the winner in the Best Drunk category is... Sarah X. Dillon, and do you remember standing up and like throwing your hands above your head, Rocky style, like Rocky at the steps of the Philadelphia? Oh, you've got to embrace it. And then so I wrote down, Sarah is drunk, has staggered on stage in a trucker hat. (laughs) Here is your entire acceptance speech last night at the Barfly Awards. This is... There's a photograph of this, too. Oh, Sarah, This is Sarah on stage last night, drunk in... I a,
3: hate speaking in public. I get really nervous.
2: No, you pulled it off. In a trucker hat, a pink and blue <laughs> trucker hat, saying, quote, this is your entire acceptance speech last night for your award. Quote, I'm very proud of being very drunk. Thank you. End quote. And then you just wandered off into the crowd, and we lost you for, like, 15 minutes. I don't even know where you went.
8: I don't know where I your went. Your
2: many fans were waiting to greet you, apparently. Um... Let's see, more notes to myself. Uh, did you see that woman behind you with the huge belly? She was wearing a belly shirt, and then she had the big gut. Oh. And it no, turns out that, that it was just sort of a beer gut on her. She was all haggard and ragged and whatnot. Did but you thought she was with child? I did. In fact, my, the first thing that I thought when I looked at her was, you know, ma'am, that alcohol's not very good for a growing fetus. But it turns out that it wasn't really a fetus. It's just fat that she's growing there. Um, let's see. There was a, a... I don't want to say this because maybe she's somebody's friend. There was a very distinct-looking stripper there because one of the categories was Best Portland Stripper. And there was, yeah, that girl who won, Face Full of Metal. Um, and uh, she got on stage, and it's funny. We were playing that Dirk Diggler thing earlier. The stripper was really drunk, I think, on stage. <laughs> or crazy. And she kept throwing shouts out to, quote, her bitches and imploring her bitches to keep it real. <laughs> And I kept thinking like... I totally missed this. I kept thinking that she was like Dirk Diggler going, we're just going to keep making meta movies. We're going to keep rocking and rolling, you guys. Um, let's see. Uh, Sarah, do you remember... Oh, I don't even know if I can ask this, because oh, I, no. even if you, say, if you say yes, I don't know that I can actually finish the story. These are all stories from last night's Barfly Awards. Um, do you remember me asking... Uh, because you, you were... No, never mind.
3: Yeah. No,
2: what? Well, because no, Raul was around. Yeah. Uh, Raul, who you were dating for, you know, for a while. Uh huh. And, and now you guys—I know you guys still hang out together. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's—it's it's been turned down a notch or two. However, however There's you want to put friends, that. Though. Do you remember me asking where he was, quite innocently, because I thought that he'd sort of come with you? Oh no. Do you, okay? Then you certainly don't remember your response. Was it mean? Well, toward. Well, not really mean. It was a little sharp. When I asked, I thought I asked very innocently last night. Because, again, I thought he was sort of uh, with you, and we were sitting up in the nominees section where you were able to take a guest, and you you didn't have a guest with you. And so I wondered if maybe Raul was going to come up and. See, that's what I'm saying. I wondered if maybe Raul was going to be coming up and joining us. And I inquired, hey, where's Raul? And so your response was. You're re- I'll have to edit this for the radio. But I asked you last night, I said, I said, hey, where's Raul? And you replied without missing a beat, and I will have to modify this. You said, um, he's in the basement with my other ex-boyfriends blanking each other. Do you have any other questions you want to ask me, smarty man? That's exactly what you said. You imply that your ex-boyfriends were standing in a circle in the basement, p- pleasuring one another. Oh, no. And then you immediately... Fu- and I then you looked. I had, for-
3: I had kind of a moment last night where I was in the other room, and I looked, and all three of them were talking.
2: Yeah. all three. That, there were three of your ex-boyfriends there last night. That's right. I forgot about and that. And they
3: were all talking. There was this one point... I think I hit my head on something. There's this... um. <laughs> there's one point they're all just standing in a circle talking, and I don't know... I'd forgotten how weird that was. That's right. That's, there were three really, of your
2: ex-boyfriends there. It was really weird for me. I guess that's okay. So I asked her, I. I said, "Where's Rywol?" Yeah, he that, said, was,
3: "That was right after I had left the other room and then went up." So I'd just seen them all talking. I'm like,
2: "He's oh. in the basement with my other two ex-boyfriends, and they're all blanking each other." Do you have any other questions you want to ask me, Smarty Man? Like, and I just sort of went, "Oh, sorry," and I just <laughs> shut the hell up. Uh, let's see. Do you remember this? Okay, isn't this segment almost over? Almost. Uh, Do you remember Byron Beck singing a song to you that contained the lyric My vagina has a first name? (laughs) It's S A R A H. Yes. Okay. And finally. Uh, because Sarah and I both were winners in our category last night, we're so winners. thank you to everybody who voted for us, yes.
3: Thank you for all of you who stuffed the ballot boxes.
2: Um, so Sarah won the category of Best Drunk, and you, you received, like, a big bag of pornography. Yes. Uh, from one of the Jen's sponsors.
3: And a trucker hat.
2: Here's the, here's the best moment of the night, is that we're sitting there at the table, and, and Sarah has come back from the stage, having won her Barfly Award, sits down, just unbelievably drunk, as was, all, as was everybody there, really, except for me. I mean, really, everybody but me, to be fair. Um... And tied to the top of the bag was like a big vibrator. And the great moment was you because it was shaped kind of differently than the typical vibrator thing. And you sort of looking at it and not knowing what it was. And you go, (laughs) you said, why, what's this? And then you sort of poked at it, and it came to life and began to vibrate in your hand. And then you just laughed uncontrollably, and you said, I get it. (laughs) So there you go.
3: Yeah, Pasha's very excited about her special things she got. She was sending me pictures of her. It's a
2: really weird night. It was just a crazy night all, all the way around. So I well, Jen Lane
3: in the great way brings out the weirdos.
2: She really does, man. I mean, I think we went. I have to tell you this, and then we do have to break here just a second. The, it, and I don't mean the knock. This is not a knock on 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 Jen or Mount Tabor or the awards or whatever. But it was, you know, it, it really was a certain slice of Portland culture, extrapolated all the way out. Everybody drunk. Everybody smoking everybody with like piercings and weird hair and, and I mean just and everybody wearing a combination of red and black and it was hot and it was loud and there was like all this weird video footage playing and at one point Laura and I were talking to each other and like you know this is like the opening of a Mormon scare film you know you think they're your friends you think they're having a good time and then it cuts to somebody slumped over in a bathroom with a needle jammed into their eye it won't be so funny Like, or you know what here's the other thing about it last night it was like in Pinocchio when they 're all running around that island before they turn into donkeys that 's exactly what it was. <laughs> it was the pre donkey stage of that the danger island or whatever stage. what is that island they go to in in Pinocchio. Island? I think it's the island of lost boys. Where they go there where there's no rules, there's no adults, but at the end they turn into donkeys. Last night was totally like the pre donkey stage in some weird Fellini esque live action version of Pinocchio.
3: Last night felt like Sabalas did right when Jason Sabala first opened. Jesus. It It was, felt like it was back to
2: normal for uh, the first time. It was really weird. It was it was just a, it was a strange night all the yeah, way your around.
3: Thing is weird. I'm like, I feel like it was back to normal.
2: Yeah. <laughs> people anyway.
3: like slumped in the corners and it smelled like Red Bull and there are people like Doing whatever in the corners.
2: You know, I gotta say the bathrooms were clean at least though. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to deal with that place having clean bathrooms. It violates all my known laws of nature. Okay, we have to take a break here. We come back, Lisa Desjardins coming up later on, Jim Roop. Tim Riley will have the new news hour for you. Uh, the top five Peter Carlin and all these It's The Rick Embers Rick Emerson radio program, it's 503-733-2970, 503-733-2970, and we're coming along, uh, uh, a bunch of emails and whatnot to get to here, uh, Tim Riley coming up at noon with the new news hour later on, CNN radio correspondent James Roop, also the uh, top five, Peter Carlin, Finney Oregonian, and so forth, and whatnot. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome out to the Rick Emerson Show, from the hills, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hello, Lisa. How are you today?
1: Hello to you. How are you? I'm
2: fantabulous, is what I am. How was your weekend?
1: Fantabulous. It was outstanding. It was. It was great.
2: It was truly outstanding. Or are you just saying that?
1: It was it, truly, truly outstanding. Now, what was it
2: that made it an well, outstanding awesome weekend?
1: outstanding gem. Uh, you know, it was we. We went. We had. The, the, we were out in the country and just out on a farm with a. Uh, Just just forces of nature and lots of alcohol. It was great.
2: Now, wait, you're not, but I'm so confused. Now, you're not, you haven't moved to a farm, though.
1: No, no, we just went to visit friends in North Carolina. So we drove, you know, drove maybe four or five hours down to North Carolina.
2: You know, can I tell you this? I don't know anything about North Carolina. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know who lives there. I don't know anything about, uh, I don't know anything about (laughs) what they grow, what they sell, what their business is. But when I picture North Carolina, I just picture, like, this unbroken expanse of green fields and then, like a bad clapboard shack off in the corner that 's it that 's the entire state to me it 's one big field with like a tar paper shack somewhere <laughs>
1: that's the one right no it's in, you know it does have a lot of a lot of those fields i 'm not going to lie. There are some of those shacks, but for the most part it 's a lot of uh, your, your regular average lovely home is
2: that a tobacco growing state
1: It is in fact a very large tobacco Winston Salem. Is a is a big city inside of North Carolina. Can
2: I tell you this? This is maybe more of a side line than we have time for here. I will simply say, my wife, God bless her. Uh, my wife is is. I don't have time to give the whole backstory for this, but I came home the other day, and my wife sets aside, uh, you know, she does the thing where we do every paycheck, she puts X in the bank, and she puts, puts X toward household expenses, and then she sets X aside as sort of discretionary investment, which is like stuff that she'll invest that may or may not actually have some sort of a return on it. And so I came home the other day, and my wife was on the phone, and you you know that universal gesture for... Hold on a second I'm waiting for a break in the conversation I walk and she's on the phone she holds up the index finger at me and then she says to the person on the phone okay hold on a second just just one moment and she puts the phone down and she looks up at me and she goes honey should we invest in google disney or big tobacco <laughs> and i honestly had no response i didn't i didn't but god help me my first response was to say google but my second was was big tobacco <laughs> I don't know why. It seems like big tobacco might be a bad thing to invest in these days, though. I don't really know how... It, 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 I mean...
1: They're still doing okay in Europe. I can testify to that.
2: Oh, no. I hadn't thought about that. And, of course...
1: They're doing the right... in China, there's a lot of parts of the world where big tobacco is doing A-okay.
2: Now, do they not grow... I realize this is not what you called about today, but do they grow their own tobacco for the most part in other countries, or do we export our death, uh, tobacco to, to other to other places?
1: imagine there is some tobacco growing in other countries, but I believe uh, cigarettes, by and large, are Im- imported. I mean, there are... There, I think we're sort of the Germany of... Uh, Germany is to beer, as America is to cigarettes.
2: So it might be a worthwhile There's, investment, after all.
1: You know, it's, you know, it's possible. It's strange how they have it, though. I mean, they, their anti-tobacco ads are much more pronounced when we were there. They have huge signs that say, you know, tobacco is a deadly poison. But... It, it, literally, one of those signs was right, it was in the window for the Camel Tobacco Lounge, which was full of people.
2: Of course. Well, I mean, in in uh, Britain, it was the same way where, like, the tobacco, like, you'd, you'd look at a pack of cigarettes, and the warning was, like, 90% of the right. surface area. Yeah. Yes. And it's like, this will kill you painfully and horribly.
1: But they are embracing it. They're like, yes.
2: You know, I have to say, I have said for the longest time that they ought to have somebody ought to sell a brand of cigarettes here where the entire package was simply the Surgeon General's warning, and actually, and actually, just call them like coffin nails. Surprise. You know what I mean? Look, i got to tell you, I uh, I own, at my house to this day, I own a cart or not a carton, but a, a pack of Black Death cigarettes from when they used to make those. I don't think they do anymore. I think the Black Death company went out of the business. But they used to sell Black Death vodka, and they sold Black Death cigarettes, and the logo was a skeleton with a top hat. And I bought it, and I don't even smoke or drink. And as a matter of fact, I just, that's badass. I have to buy it. So,
1: yes. All right. Well, I think there's a the market,
2: right. Um. So we have this apparently... And I don't mean to sound flip about this, but I'm looking at this here and, uh, on the prep sheet, and it says that there is, quote, a crisis in Pakistan. But isn't that just sort of an uh, – I mean, it's all relative, right? There's just sort of a series of ongoing crises uh, in Pakistan. I mean, so what is the crisis now as of this very,
1: very moment today? I think that this is significant and this is new, and what's happening in Pakistan is for – months now, uh, Pakistani President Pervez Musharraf has been under a lot of pressure as uh, political opponents have been calling for new elections. There was a new election scheduled. There is potentially a new election scheduled for January. He has been losing popularity. His government has been in jeopardy of being replaced. And, you know, instead of, uh, you know, filling the television with ads, as one of our politicians would do, now over the weekend, Friday, uh, President Musharraf called essentially a state of martial law, a state of emergency in his country. That allowed him to seize powers that he has not given under the Constitution. Since that time, we are, we understand that thousands of his political opponents have been arrested and are in jail, that there is only one television station that is now on air. That's the government-run television station. Uh, All other media outlets have been shut down. And, and so this is really a, a dramatic, State in a country which America supports with billions of dollars a year in weaponry and other aid, and it's putting President Bush in a very difficult position. Uh, he he has long supported Musharraf, and he is still saying that he, in general, uh, supports helping this country with the fight against terror. But the White House is also saying we don't support what he's doing now. He needs to uh, impose uh, the regular state of law. He needs to end this state of emergency uh, right away. Now, but I could see them in Pakistan saying, well, what are you going to do about it? Because, frankly, right now the U.S. government has only said they are reviewing the aid that goes to Pakistan. But behind the scenes, officials tell us it's very unlikely that the U.S. will cut off any of the aid. This brings up the old H-word in Washington, hypocrisy. There are other governments that President Bush and his administration have harshly criticized for these same tactics or even less. You can point to Cuba. There are many issues with Cuba, but among them, the one that is most commonly pointed to by this administration is the way that Cuba treats its dissidents, that those who oppose the government are thrown in jail. Here we have a country that's doing precisely that, but it's considered an ally.
2: And I and I was reading this weekend, um, and in fact, I just opened up my homepage page, uh, at my home office is Google News. And so I opened up this weekend and said uh, Musharraf had cracked down and he had imposed his iron fist of, of brutality all across the country. And the first thing, and tell me if I'm wrong, the first thing that I thought of is, I always assume that every time anything bad, which this certainly is, happens in Pakistan, that then everybody, all eyes sort of gradually shift over to India, right? Because India is it always seems like india is just kind of itching for a reason to do something bad to pakistan i mean they really are just the hatfield and mccoys of, of that I part want to of the
1: world some territory. there is very important territory in dispute between india and pakistan of course kashmir uh, but i i think that an, a a lack a complete lack of stability in pakistan would be much worse for india you know and i think india getting involved militarily along the border, starting some border skirmishes. I think the situation in Pakistan is such uh, right now that I think it would be worse for India to try something like that because uh, a a Pakistan that that is completely without stability uh, would be worse for India at this point.
2: And apparently some folks are reporting, I don't know if these are just reports, I don't know to what what, uh, sort of uh, accuracy you can put to this, but apparently some folks are reporting that Musharraf is actually under house arrest. Um, and I, I think Forbes actually is uh, what said that Forbes had reported that uh, right, which
1: is a, which is a scary proposition of itself. So then, is this what's going on here? Is this a military coup by his own military? The, there have been denials by the Pakistani government that that's the case. In fact, they say that uh, Musharraf is laughing off those reports. And in the latest, in fact, just in the last hour, the top of the last hour on the Pakistani state television news, um, they showed pictures of Musharraf and said basically. It's it's business as usual for the president. Nothing out of the norm. So, so it's, it, except this state of emergency, and a lot of people uh, are arrested. Uh, and, of know, course,
2: except thousands that. upon thousands of people in jail without trial, and right, one exactly. one media outlet for everything. Is this right. is this a situation which just circles inside of circles inside of circles, where you it is impossible to penetrate to find out what actually is going on over there? Because that seems like the scariest proposition. If there's just, like, you know, it's not like that part of the world is tremendously stable on any given day. But if you can't. At least you like to think that most of the time you can kind of figure out what's going on. But is, are, are we just sort of, uh, I mean, is it such sort of controlled chaos that we don't even really know what's happening?
1: I think we don't know. But this is certainly, this is not um, a banana republic, you know, where there are, you know, 12 different warlords. There are warlords in Pakistan. It's true in the mountains of Pakistan. But in, in central Pakistan, uh, there there is a very significant uh political history here and significant political process now Musharraf is going around that which makes it makes it dangerous in of itself we're going to see and I'll be speaking in the next couple of hours to one of his political opponents that's Benazir Bhutto she was the prime minister formerly of Pakistan and her reemergence here some believe is one of the reasons that Musharraf is acting as he is so there is a political process in place uh But I I think there is danger here because there are many other elements in Pakistan which are not controlled by the Pakistani government, namely uh, terrorist insurgent groups, um, many Islamic extremists uh, that are in parts of Pakistan. And so there are fears that that those groups may not be able to take over the country there, but they may be able to gain some momentum and gain gain more area and more allegiance where they are uh, if the government in Pakistan is seen as weak and not able to help the people, in fact, hurting its own people.
2: Uh, all right. Well, there is that Chinese curse that simply says, may you live in interesting times. So yeah. uh, the, the interesting times are now here, I believe.
1: And don't forget about Turkey. Still haven't resolved the situation between Turkey and the Kurdish rebels yeah. and the Turkish presidents in Washington today.
2: Well, that's great. That's there you go. Oh. <laughs> right. So it's so it's all good news today.
1: Yeah, all yeah. right. But those countries that have just your everyday problems like Afghanistan, which is still trying to you know squash the Taliban, you know, yeah. what do they got to do to make it into the headlines now? <laughs>
2: It's tough. <laughs> well, well, they've they're simply not the Lindsay Lowen of the uh, of the international <laughs> oh, crisis there world. They, is
1: again. They've
2: been forgotten. They have they're faded back to page D nine in the paper.
1: <laughs> Just your basic everyday skirmishes.
2: All right. Uh, well, we'll talk about there's other stuff, but we'll get to it another part. Are you on tomorrow?
1: I'll be here all. Uh, I'm here tomorrow, not Wednesday, and then Thursday, Friday. I'll
2: Excellent. Be- all right. We will uh, have speaks with you tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your day, Lisa. You
1: too. There you go, Lisa Desjardins, ladies
2: and gentlemen. From CNN. I dig her. All right. Uh, a couple things. A. This is for you. Sarah, Meatloaf's representatives are insisting that the singer is not I'm... repeat not retiring.
3: How could he not be retiring?
2: (laughs) Thank God almighty. Thank sweet Jesus above. The BBC Online said the... How old is Meatloaf? Do you know? Oh, I don't know. 60. 60. The 60-year-old classic rocker's Halloween concert in Newcastle, England ended abruptly after only one hour. He reportedly launched into the hit Paradise by the Dashboard Light when he, quote... Just stopped singing, thanked the crowd, and left the stage. Moments later, the announcement came that the show was over. Um, Several concertgoers, though, check this out. Several concertgoers claimed the performer had said during his concert that it was his last. Tour promoter Andrew Miller, though, says meat is simply suffering from stress and insists. This is, of course, the the, the promoters say this because that's like a 15% cash cow you don't want to lose. Says it's not his last gig, that's for sure um he said meatloaf will quote be fine so there you go so the uh there you go meatloaf not retiring thank god almighty thank god uh and then this is uh i was talking to jason crump about this on friday i went to see the uh, the goonies the midnight movie down there and i was talking to jason and so but so that zeppelin reunion that was going to be happening for 26th i guess it's been pushed back a little bit to december 10th because jimmy page fractured one of his fingers somehow um which is, not, although, which is not a huge deal, because in the, the U.S. tour of 1977, I know, he, um, I know he badly sprained a finger on some cyclone fencing, and he does that three-finger technique when he plays. But I guess they push back the Zeppelin thing till December 10th, which just means that I have more weeks to sit be despondent and sad and wallow in the fact that I'm never going to get to see the concert of the tour that will follow. So there you go. All right. Uh, oh, hey, look at us. Let's break and be on time, shall we? Oh, thank you. Thanks so much. Ugh. Is this bad? Have we heard this?
3: It's me looking paradise for the rest of my life.
2: I know, but I mean. Oh God! Look, he's been hit with a trank gun.
3: Imagine ending your career with this.
4: Oh.
2: You know, Jim Steinman really. Jim yeah. Simon really is the smart one, just sitting at home waiting for the check to arrive.
3: You know, I was looking at this and at the beginning of Pop Summer Night.
2: This is terrible. Uh-huh. It
3: sounded like Jim Simon. It might friends?
2: be recorded. No, it might be. Is it, it live? It it might be a like playback. doing it live. Could be. Oh, this is terrible. And of course, she's flawless. Oh, that's just sad.
3: Enormous boobs.
2: Back after this with Tim Riley. Stay
8: there.
2: So lame. I completely forgot it was the 5th of November. The best we can do is finding it off of like a full-string doll sitting oh, in the corner of the studio.
5: It is on my webpage.
2: Oh. No plans. Well, I forgot Don't it.
0: You <laughs> uh let's see.
2: I'll forward you this email. Let's see, from somebody who worked on the crew. alright seven three three two nine seventy. Coming up later on, top five, Peter Carlin, James Roop. Uh, let's see, an exciting nail gun story. Uh, we'll find out in what cities the Rick Emerson show is gigantic. Uh, what else? Something else. Oh, and I have a great dental mishap story. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of
0: Truth, will you please give your
2: attention to the newly returned Tim
0: Riley? Time for the Rick Emerson new News Hour from AM970, Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley.
4: Something here we go. Good evening, the Allow me first to apologize for the emergency, speech. child. I do, like many of you, appreciate the comforts of the everyday routine, the security of the familiar, the tranquility, repetition. Mm-hmm. I enjoy them as much as any bloke. But in the spirit of commemoration, whereby long? those important events of the past, usually associated with someone's death or the end of some awful bloody struggle, are celebrated with a nice holiday, I thought we could mark this November the 5th a day that is sadly no longer remembered by taking some time out of our daily lives to sit down and have a little chat. Mm. There are, of course, those who do not want us to speak. You think, just let with me respect, think. I even now orders are being shouted into telephones, and men with guns will soon be on their way. It's time for Why? Because while the cluncheon may be used in lieu of conversation, words will always retain their power. Words offer the means to meaning, and for those who will listen, the enunciation of truth. And the truth is, there is something terribly wrong with this country, isn't there? You designed it, sir. You wanted it foolproof. You taught me every television in London. Cruelty and injustice, intolerance, and depression. And where once you had the freedom to object, to think and speak as you saw fit, you now have sensors and systems of surveillance coercing your conformity and In your submission. Wait, we'll cameras. How did this happen? Who's to blame? Well, certainly there are those who are more responsible than others. They will be held accountable. But again, truth be told, if you're looking for the guilty, you need only look into a mirror. I know why you did it. I know you were afraid. Who would be? War, terror, disease. There were a myriad of problems. ...inspired to corrupt your reason and rob you of your common sense. Fear got the best of you. And in your panic, you turned to the now High Chancellor, Adam Suttler. He promised you order. He promised you peace. And all he demanded in return was your silent, obedient consent. Inspector, you're almost through. Last night, I sought to end that silence. Last night, I destroyed the old Bailey to remind this country of what it has forgotten... More than 400 years ago, a great citizen wished to embed the 5th of November forever in our memory. His hope was to remind the world that fairness, justice and freedom are more than words. They are perspectives. So if you've seen nothing... If the crimes of this government remain unknown to you, then I would suggest that you allow the 5th of November to pass unmarked. But if you see what I see, if you feel as I feel, and if you would seek as I seek, then I ask you to stand beside me one year from tonight, outside the gates of Parliament, and together we shall give them a 5th of November that shall never, ever be forgotten.
2: That makes up for the fact that I spectacularly choked at the top of the air and played a big jerk-dickler cut. <laughs> I got... I've already got a bunch of email from people. Dear Rick, I listened on the podcast, so I won't be hearing this for four hours. But if you fail to play a beef vendetta cut, you are dead to me. F you. So, uh... Okay. I knew I could rely on Tim. Thank you, Tim. Well done. You bet. I was waiting for that all year. No, I'm saying... And I completely... I just... I muffed it. I made just a tangled, of mess of it, Tim. All right. So... Make sure you go out and watch it tonight. Yeah. Or rent it now, if you don't have it. It's fantastic. Well, that's one of the... We don't have a lot of decoration in the studio, not compared to the most radio studios. Uh, it, but the, the, We've got the, the Horns Across the Hawthorne picture from Vanished Twin. we got some of our Kiss stuff. we got a Harry Potter thing. And then we have the big V for Vendetta poster. That was actually the first thing we hung in here. The, even before the station banners, uh, the very first thing that got hung in the studio was the V for Vendetta poster with that great kind of Soviet uh, artwork on it. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Tim Riley.
5: And the second best video of the day Jerry Seinfeld turning into Larry King, who had no idea who he was.
2: Now, I have not seen this. It's terrific. I have only heard about it, and I've got to tell you, I struggled all weekend with whether to watch this or not. You have Because like, a whole bunch of... Well, I know. I was like, well, do I want to have it? Do I want to get my reaction fresh on Monday, or do I, do I want to give in and watch the greatness now? And I held off because I wanted to hear it I on the air. I haven't seen it either. So do you know... Have you heard about this?
3: No, I heard something about him not knowing
5: who he was. Oh, it's great, was... yeah. Well, what happens is... Larry King asks the same questions of everyone. There's not questions. He doesn't even pay attention to what he's doing anymore. He doesn't have to. Oh, no, of course not. I mean, he, he's you know the, one of those uh, King Tut skulls with glasses on that, that they put <laughs> suspenders on and put in the chair.
2: <laughs> it Just doesn't matter who the guest is. Sitting there like Norma Bates' mother. <laughs> they get the same questions. <laughs> totally. So, so here's what happens. He has.
5: I mean, he's not paying attention to who it is. Doesn't matter, Larry King. So let's play this. Here we go.
9: Lasted how long?
2: Nine years. 180
9: years You gave it up, right? I did. They didn't cancel you. You canceled them.
0: You're not aware of this? No, I'm asking you. You think I got canceled?
2: Are you under the impression uh, that I, I got canceled? I
0: hurt you, Jerry. I thought don't, that was pretty well documented. This is most like, shows Is this still down. CNN. Don't.
4: I was the number one show on television, Larry. You were all Do you all know one. who I am? <laughs> <laughs> no. Jewish guy, Brooklyn. Yes. <laughs> okay. 75
9: <laughs> million viewers last okay. episode. What? You? Don't take like, it so bad.
2: Well, that's a, the big difference between being canceled <laughs> and being number one. Okay, I'm
0: sorry. <laughs> We'll be right back.
10: Jeez.
0: B-movie opens. <laughs> B-movie opens. Can we open.
10: get a resume in here for B-movie me? B-movie <laughs> opens. <laughs> hey, I...
0: Let's... We'll be right back. He was getting mad at me. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh,
3: that's so awkward. Uh, see, but it's not awkward but for me because he,
2: I don't care. Well, the thing is, Larry King is not offended. It that's, could be anybody. He's no. not even paying attention to the answers. No, that's the thing is, it, uh, it doesn't make me feel awkward at all because, A, I don't really care if Jerry Seinfeld well, gets his feelings know. hurt.
3: Oh, but you know that that guy's inside of Jerry Seinfeld. I don't like hearing it, though. Like the ass.
2: Oh, I. but you know he's
3: an I
5: ass. Know. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've seen him, like, around the Burbank Studios. and
2: he, Yeah, I mean... Yeah, why shouldn't he be? Really? I, mean, I, I don't care. I'm not trying to he pass he judgment. He's he's a funny guy. He's successful in a, in a in a field where it is difficult to be successful. So, you know, God love him. I don't begrudge Jerry Seinfeld his success. Uh, but you know, he's a dick because because first of all, everyone in Hollywood is, and B, every comedian is a dick. You just, I mean, comedians are a holes. That is just the way it goes. So you know, comedians, musicians, entertainers of all stripes, the odds are about eighty five percent that they're terrible people. And you and plus if I can single Jerry Seinfeld for a second. Just, you just know he's a dick. I mean, you just, just, and again, I'm not trying to knock him. He's a funny guy. He really is, and I know that. I, it sounds like I'm, you know, like I'm stating the obvious, but he is, he is a, you know, a very talented observational comic. It's not really my style of comedy, but he's very good at it. But just the vibe you get off of Jerry Seinfeld is just like when I picture Jerry Seinfeld in my head. It, it, Smug doesn't really do it justice. It is. It is. His nose is always wrinkled ever so slightly mm-hmm. when I picture him, as though he has just sniffed a diaper. You know, it's like it's like everything in the room is not quite up to uh, not quite up to his desk. How um, he reminds me of, of of a couple other people, some of whom we know. Um, we know some people who I believe have exactly the same. Yes, exactly. Sarah just mouth mouth the name at me. We work with some people who have exactly the same temperament uh, as that, and I think. Sarah knows, and I think, uh Tim, do you know who we're referring to? No, I don't. Sarah will mouth the name at you. You think so? Yes. Yes, I do. Again, talented, funny, certainly smart, but, you know, I mean, you don't want to take, like, a long car ride with him. Um, oh, no, no. Or, or
5: let him know your address. <laughs> no, no, I mean, of course not.
2: You, I mean, you'll find him lying in a pool of blood on <laughs> your front steps one of these days. <laughs> you did this! Yeah. <laughs> um,
5: no, I, I can see that. Yeah,
2: so, yeah. I mean, again, Jerry Seinfeld seems like a cool guy, but I mean, you know. It, never it, it pays it, to get too chummy with anyone. No, I mean, he seems he seems like a nice guy in a surface sort of sense, but he does seem like a very uptight guy. And all of those traits that made it into the Seinfeld show, like the meticulously organized boxes of cereal, but it had to be opened and closed exactly right. You know that he's just like that in real life. Mm-hmm. I mean, every day he's like wearing the, uh, you know, wearing like the pressed jeans with the shirt carefully tucked in, equidistant from his belt all the way around. You know that all How of those traits... How he cuts the
3: labels in his pants. Exactly. You. exactly. I, I think have an issue with that. I too. saw
5: him walking down the studio a lot, and he looked like the most ordinary guy. Really? Yeah.
2: Well, he does have a sort of, I mean... I think Not that, that he didn't have
5: that superiority look to him.
2: <laughs> Sort of an ordinary smugness, yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, so I don't feel bad for Jerry Seinfeld because he, you know, what is he? He's richer than God, and he's famous, and he's whatever. And I don't feel bad for Larry King. This is why I can watch it without cringing. No, it, it just because like,
5: woke up Larry King for a second, and yeah, then he went
2: back. You and know, was Larry King doesn't even remember that interview? Did it? that went on no. Friday? Yeah. You know, by today, that is gone. Larry King doesn't have any recollection of that <laughs> because how do I put this? It, in the sort of objective sense. I guess you can say that Jerry Seinfeld is the bigger star of the two of them. I mean, maybe. But, I mean, it, it, but in a certain world and in a certain, through a certain prism, Larry King is also big enough that he just doesn't care. Larry King is a legend. He's already an icon. As much as we make fun of him, he's a legend. He's an icon. Filthy rich. Job security forever. So, you know what? That is like a Godzilla and Mothra thing. Those are two guys who, have no, who don't care about a goddamn thing. But, so. you know, of all the choices to watch at 6 o'clock at night, if you had turned it on, you probably wouldn't turn it off, regardless of who's on. Well, you know what? Because as much and again, as much as we ridicule Larry King, he's really good at what he does. Yeah. Uh, and Larry and Larry King asks the questions. This sounds so corny. He asks the questions that that the audience that you would really want to ask. And the example I always give of, of this is when he was interviewing Christopher Reeve after he uh, had been paralyzed. And Christopher Reeve, and it's so awkward because he's sitting there and he's, you know, and he's doing the weird. Well, I'm. This sucks, you know. And he's in, and so it's Christopher Reeve and his wife, and then Larry King is, is interviewing them. And like the second question out of Larry King's mouth to Christopher Reeve is, "Can you have sex?" You know. And it's like you kind of go, "Well, all right, but you know, I'd kind of wondered about that." And he just like walk. I mean, but you know what? Because he's Larry King and he has those suspenders, he gets away with it. Because he just seems like Larry King seems like a bartender or maybe the guy cutting your hair in Queens. You know what I mean? Would you like an egg cream? By the way, can you have sex, Christopher? So, anyway. Well, there you go. That's great. So, so, there.
5: Well, let's say about this 12-million-year-old uh, whale that was found on the Oregon coast. Are they going to blow it up? We don't know. But it uh, at short, it's 12-million-years-old. Don't ask me how they found out this so quickly. Uh, Andrew Bland and 12 am- amateur <laughs> Andrew
2: Bland worked for five days in bad weather. <laughs> Andrew Bland does the morning show over at uh, K103.
5: They used air hammers to cut into the sandstone to uh, get the three-ton chunk of fossilized skull loose. The excavators are members of the North American research group. Bland said the find may be a new genius of a whale. He said the best guess is it's from a species 4 million to 12 million years old. So that's quite a span. That's like a span of 8 million years, to be correct, or incorrect.
2: Only in science can you really say something like that. Well, this is between 1 million and 5 skillion years old, but yeah. uh, carbon dating will let us narrow that down a little bit.
5: Uh, several major museums were told about this fossil, but none have showed any interest so far. After the skull is cleaned and pressed, they can compare it with similarly-aged fossils from elsewhere. Excellent. Neighbors who watched the project said the skull has been exposed for five years. It's just been sitting out there? Yeah, there's been a 12-million-year-old whale exposed for
2: five years. And this is the first time anybody showed up. Kids are stepping over on the way to school. Well, that's how they always find these things. There'll always be some you know, like you get professional paleontologists out there, and they hunt for nine years with a pickaxe and like a like a paintbrush, mm-hmm. and they'll find some tiny fragment of something from a million years ago, whereas there'll be some idiot who's wandering drunkenly through some canyon in Denver, mm-hmm. and he will pass out and wake up inside a completely fossilized and preserved T-Rex skeleton. That's always how this works. I, I mean, had this been found in Southern California,
5: there would have been pressed coverage years ago. It wouldn't have been sitting there for five years.
2: Uh, Richie, are we connected on the screener here? I don't know if these are being screened or they're not. I'm just seeing it. I don't know what the uh, I don't know what the deal is with these calls. I guess I could just take them blindly, like Larry King. All right. Um, you know, Larry King uses exactly the same phone screener that we do. Not Richie. Richie? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, he uses the same Telos box. I was gonna, is Richie like a franchise? Uh, yeah. Uh, hello. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Who's this?
5: Hi, Rick. This is
9: Carrie.
1: How are you? Hi. What's up? Um, listen, the, Larry King is in the B movie. With Jerry Seinfeld. Really? Yeah. Yeah, but you know yeah. Larry but you know they he never played a amazed. part in that. Yeah. And and part of the deal is that that um they were jiving each other and it was all set up.
2: I'm sorry that what, huh?
1: They were they were poking fun at each other and it was all set up.
2: Oh, that's not true. Yeah, it is. That's not true. Larry King is a thousand years old and doesn't even know what he had for breakfast by the time lunchtime hits. He's he gonna, was gonna wash up a New Organ post. I'm sorry, what? They were in the movie together. Yeah, but that doesn't mean they worked on the movie together. Larry King, I'll tell you this cuz Larry King, that show's based Jerry, in Hold on a second. They that, that show's based in New York. Really? LA. Right? Really Larry King live. Yeah. It's Jerry? He works Jerry in the same
7: Jerry called everybody he knew to be in that movie, and they did it for practically
2: nothing. Oh, see, this, this you know what this is? I'm not saying you didn't read this or hear this somewhere, but I'm telling you right now, that's crap. I'm telling you, even if no, Jerry... No, I'm sorry, Rick, you're wrong. If, if Jay, I, you're wrong, darling. You may have read it, but it's not true. And I will tell you that right now. This—that That is more of Jerry Seinfeld's like, well, you know, I'm just a regular guy. You know, I'm just like you. That's the idea that, that Jerry Seinfeld sat at home having to go through his trapper keeper to find people people to be in his film and that they came and worked for scale on a Steven Spielberg film is ridiculous that did not happen I will guarantee you that
7: well that's that's I've seen it on many many programs that's and that's what, what they say
2: that's what their PR person says Well, that, and that the mainstream Terry, mindlessly repeat but you know what uh, our knives cut a little closer to the bone than that that's all I'm saying we dig we dig deeper she's a little defensive about that all right there you go that is, no, that is totally more of that spin. That's all that, well, you know, so, uh, you know, I just kind of called some of my friends and had said, hey, uh, let's, uh, you know, do you want to be in a movie? And uh, that's like, have you heard that story that uh, Seinfeld tells about making the film? He tells this story about uh, being with Steven Spielberg. And he goes, well, you know, I was having lunch with Steven. I do a terrible Seinfeld, but he did, I was having lunch with Steven and I told him, you know, somebody ought to make a movie called Bee Movie, but it'll be about bees. And then, as the story goes, Steven Spielberg t- takes out his phone. This is the story that all the media has mindlessly reported. Spielberg then takes out his cell phone, calls his secretary, and goes, "Hey, yeah, Steven. Hey, let's make a B movie. Uh, it's called B movie, and it's about bees. No, it's great. Let's do it." And then, like, the, and then the entire movie was you know like done within like a week and a half, which is clearly a fictitious story. I mean, it's obviously just some pap put out by the studios that then everybody repeats to show, like, how it's just a casual, fun-loving group of kids coming together to do a movie. As though it's, as though anything that emerges from, like, the Steven Spielberg DreamWorks studios is not put through a hundred different focus groups at this point. Uh, all right, do we have more on B-movie, Tim? What B-movie? <laughs> <laughs> that's a no. Uh, let's see what these people have to say. Hi, you're on The Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Oh, I'm sorry, that's me. I'm picking it up. That's my fault. Hi, ah, you're on The Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
6: Hi, this is James. Hello, what's up? Hey, well, you are wrong about B-movie. <laughs> of course.
7: You are very wrong. From your I... many
2: lunches with Jerry Seinfeld.
7: I saw uh, Making of B-movie, and he's in the room with all these actors, including um, your guy, uh Larry King. My
2: guy. <laughs> My people. So they actually did, so did they record the voice work in the same room?
7: Yeah, he's so
6: buddy-buddy with all these actors. They that... did it
2: Simpson style. That is pretty impressive then.
6: Yeah, they're looking at each other face-to-face. It's it's pretty incredible.
2: Because they did, um, speaking of incredible, because I think the Incredibles actually is the one I'm thinking of where they, they just did it like, a piece of, like in studios all over the country. A lot of them never even ran into each other. The Simpsons is the only thing I've ever I mean in the modern day where they get into a studio and they all do it cuz the Simpsons is recorded like a radio play where they're all in one room and they all have different microphones and the only people who aren't in the room the whole time are like guest stars who were just brought in to record their scene. So they really did record this all in one in one studio at the same time.
7: Yeah, well he also he always keeps saying it took me 4 years to do this. So. <laughs> what, four years? How long does
2: it take to read? Seriously, <laughs> someone needs a hooked-on phonics lesson. Exactly. All so, right.
10: Anyway, best, best show ever. Thank you, sir. Uh, All right. There you go. All right.
2: Here's Tim Riley. Oh, this By I, the way, I, I haven't have to seen B-movie because I don't have children. So there's no need. It'll be out on video for you. I uh, Really, unless it says Pixar at this point, there's no need for me to see a CGI film about uh, wacky anthropomorphic insects. I don't mean to sound like a curmudgeon, but I mean, really, it, all of the talent is over there at Pixar. Pixar has, Pixar has has begged, bought, and stolen everybody who's any good in that field. They're all working for Steve Jobs now. All right, here's Tim Riley. This story is gross. Fantastic. I'm one year ahead of time. All right, hold on. How gross? Well, see, you weren't here for Thursday and Friday. <laughs> did you go to my website and look at the video?
5: I did not, but I've I read some varying email reports
2: on it, so I don't know exactly what
5: went on and who was responsible for it.
2: Here's the thing. You don't – and, yes, Richie, it is working. It is working, by the way. Thank you. Uh, yeah, You don't ever want to watch it, let me tell you now. No, no fooling. Mm. Um, this is not reverse psychology. No kidding. Yeah. From us to you, Tim, you don't want to watch it. Okay. So just please take that advice. And if you don't believe me, I will forward you some of the emails from people who said, well, I didn't take your advice. Boy, am I scarred for life now. Uh, so anyway, I got one guy who said that I actually ruined um, the uh, relations that he had planned for the weekend. He said he tried to have uh, an intimate moment with someone he cared about, and I was unable to, uh, unable to make that happen because of the video. The video kept crawling into his mind, so don't watch that, Tim.
5: All right. I All right. Wrote. So this story is disgusting?
2: Yes. How disgusting on a classic 1 to 10 scale? Uh, chopping up a dead body. Well, how does that go? Really, the bar. The is local. The bar. Well, okay. Uh, was a 92 year old body? Was the body violated first? Yeah. Uh, no. Okay. Well, well I'd say... violated as much as. Uh, Cutting it up, I appliance? Well, that is violating, I guess. Okay, six probably. Maybe a scale of uh, one to ten. is a six. All, All right, right, let's go. So I guess this is appropriate for children. <clears throat> of course, of course. In fact, go get if they're. In fact, if they're not
5: with you now, go to other rooms in the house and get them. Yes, boys and girls. If mom isn't busy right now, <laughs> go get her and bring her to the radio. And if you do, we'll bring out Happy the Dog. We've got we, we've got to get some sort of children's music for stories like this. All oh, I the Monkey Watch would be appropriate. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, Meanwhile, a 22-year-old murder suspect pled guilty today to killing a man and chopping up his body before burying the remains of the Amhill County Farm. They used DNA tests to identify the remains of 26-year-old Christopher Lampkin, who was found when police swarmed the remote property in September. Leonardo Gonzalez, who's 22, pled guilty to murder, abuse of a corpse, and assault with weapons charges. Court documents uh, say... The two men got into an argument and a fight, Then, according to witnesses, Gonzalez ordered the victim to his knees, shot Lampkin in the head. They also uh, show that Gonzalez disposed of the body by chopping it up and dumping the body parts.
2: Now, does it say with what he chopped it up? It does not, no. All right. Because as we always wonder, you don't just keep tools around for that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Although I was thinking about this. You know what would work really well with that is just like a regular shovel. Or maybe even like if you had a, not a snow shovel because then the weight is distributed too widely. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you ever had like a regular garden shovel, you could probably chop somebody up with that. If you try harder now. Yeah. I mean like if you sharpen the edge of it maybe just a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Uh, all right, well, there you go. So spread all over a farm at Yamhill County. So there. Try not to think about that, by the way, the next time you eat anything that may or may not have been grown in that general vicinity. Just don't worry about that at all. All
5: right. And uh, Washington Representative uh, Curtis's wife and children have moved out of the house and moved far, far away with no <laughs> intention ever, ever to come back.
2: That's fantastic. And you know that she didn't even show up that day. You know she just sent, like, a note to the house, please leave things in box on porch. Goodbye forever. Mm-hmm. Rhonda, and just gone, gone from this place. Never to return. He's not gay, though. No. No, no, never, never. Oh, wait. Let's do this, the the definitive final, the final definitive answer about the Seinfeld thing uh, from a man who ought to know, uh, from Film People Radio, Scott Daly. Hello, sir. Well, hello. Hi.
7: As you may or may not know, Aaron and I actually talked to Jerry Seinfeld. No, I didn't know that. Yes, as a matter of fact, fact, you can listen to this week's episode of Film Fever Radio.
2: And uh, we should say that uh, Mike Ross's culture pulp uh, depicted you guys in comic form. Oh, I saw that. It's very cool. It's very good. Aaron said that the trade-off for, apparently he drew Aaron with less hair than he normally has, but also with less weight, so it's (laughs) sort of a wash
7: there. Yes, and I'm I'm wearing a Spider-Man shirt in that comic. Anyway, um, yeah, the caller earlier about um, Jerry being actively involved in the entire process of the B movie is 100 percent accurate he spent four years on this
8: it, uh, okay
7: and uh and yeah he was he was in the room with all the actors it was a, it was a it was a passion a passion a project of love for him and uh-huh. uh you know all the pa tours the stuff he's doing around it's all because of this, this film and he's very proud of it so so now something.
2: now is it now did spielberg what was spielberg's involvement in this did he Jerry, executive produce it or something?
7: Yeah. Well, Jerry and Spielberg were having dinner, and uh, you know it was. And Jerry said like this, just like this. There was a lull in the conversation, and uh, Jerry was trying to fill up a little time and said, "Hey, you know, you make a movie called E Movie about Bees. bees. And uh, Spielberg looked at him and said, "Okay, go write it. We'll make it." Well, I write that, and that's the way it happened. He got some of his old writing buddies from Seinfeld, and they spent about a year in this New York office cranking out the scripts. And uh they got it going. All so, right. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a, it's, comp- it's a complete Jerry Seinfeld project. All
2: right. And now the see, number
7: showed this week. Too.
2: Now there has to be the uh there has to be the definitive. What open was it? The American Gangster open at number one, or it was it B movie?
7: American Gangster was number one. It's forty six million. And B movie was number two at thirty nine million.
2: Real quick, Link. We're gonna move on, but American Gangster was badass. It
7: was, wasn't it? It
2: was fantastic. Best it was year, really, really, really good. Would so.
7: you agree with me that it's? Scott's best film since Blade Runner?
2: Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. And I'm and again, as I said earlier, I kind of forget that Russell Crowe can really act yeah. every now and again because he's on yeah. the tabloids all the time, but that's a, it's a really strong film. So follow-up. thanks to you guys for recommending it. Hey, that's what we do. All right, there you go, sir. Thank you. Bye. All right, fantastic. Now there has to be the inevitable follow-up uh, film where Larry David plays a slug. Here's Tim Riley. Listen to this one. An airline crew faced a rebellion when they told passengers they were going to fly on a jet that
5: lost its wingtip in a runway crash. The Sri Lankan customers have it on the Airbus A340 a day earlier when it sliced through the wing of a stationary British Airway 747 at Heathrow, delaying their departure for 24 hours. So they were amazed to be boarding the same plane the next oh, day no. for, te- for a 10-hour flight. F
2: that. No way.
5: When the cabin crew admitted there was still a five-foot wingtip missing, there was a minor revolt of the passengers. There's five
2: feet missing from the wing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, F that. There's no way. I don't care if I have to break down the cockpit door with it with a baseball bat. They're not going to make me to take that plane. They assured us it didn't matter.
5: <laughs> no, oh, but of not. passengers Never insisted fix that it.
2: they would rather get on the next flight.
5: The collision happened there shortly after uh, 10 p.m. two weeks ago, when the plane to Singapore was waiting on the runway. The Sri Lankan aircraft wing ripped through a, a Boeing flight wing, tearing up a huge chunk, and resulted in the jumbo jet being grounded. <laughs> the Sri Lankan Airlines uh, uh, people insisted there was no danger in flying oh, without course, a wing
2: tip. Of course, they're from Sri Lanka.
5: It is purely for aerodynamics and to keep fuel costs to a minimum.
2: Uh-huh. Okay. Because it only takes half the fuel when your plane crashes en route. So. Well, that is true. I would like to see more rebellions at the airport, frankly. I would really, I call now upon all people who are going to be traveling through the air on any kind of plane, uh, For I call now for open revolt at the nation's airports. Okay, this is really disturbing. I didn't see this message until it was too late. While I was talking to Scott Daly from Film People Radio, yeah. Richie was typing this on the screen because you know, he was down there because the Court and Fat Boy thing, the, the Goonies movie was happening down there. And I saw this on the screen. Ask Scott about what happened in the bathroom Friday night. I don't really know what it means. I think you do want to know what
3: it means because I saw your face go, oh, well, you look like you saw something that you shouldn't have. No,
2: no I mean, that can only mean, well, no, uh, but I'm saying when somebody says, ask so-and-so about what happened in the bathroom, there's only one of two things in that story. There's only one of two directions for that. There's a new direction. There's No, and there's the old direction. I'm sorry. <laughs> there's only one of two directions. There's the, the, there's the sexy kind, and then there's the refunding one's beers into the oh. trash can kind. And we know that Scott Daly, he does have a history with... He is a little barfy. <laughs> he does have a history of, a history of hurling. But Sometimes he is single, four times. So
3: maybe, he, maybe he met a nice lady and well, brought her to the see, and in I don't know, bathroom. I, and
2: I saw a little, I saw a little something that would indicate that, but I don't know to what extent I'm allowed to talk about it. Well, he's getting a divorce. What does he care? Yeah. What, what's what's going to happen? His wife's going to be hey, pissed? Hey, he's going to play through the pain. <laughs> I'm leaving you. I'm sure
3: she's not doing the same thing.
2: Why do you say that to him every time you see him?
3: No, I'm just trying to make him feel better for being slutty
2: yeah that's right um, be a flat, Scott all right well we'll f- we'll follow up on that later on. here's Tim Riley I'm getting Scott confused with Scott e well, we haven't checked in a while many things can happen Scotty who Jay oh yeah
5: oh that guy and he used to work here something
2: he did something or other.
5: I'm not sure all
2: right here's Tim Riley
5: well, you really can't uh, ride on the Max anymore without being beaten over the head with something. This time it was a 71-year-old man who was beaten by a bat. It was all because of teens. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Laurie Chakult, who lives alone in Sandy and rides on public transit, says he does not drive. He said there was foul language and drug dealing and violence and fights on the Max. That surprises no one, especially on the line going to Gresham. Uh, And apparently uh, this person was getting on when three teenage boys followed, and one taunted him, calling him old. And then they beat him with a baseball bat. He was in uh, fair condition this morning at OHSU. So, apparently since TriMet will do nothing to protect these trains, well, no. No, I mean, because why would they, you? Our, our statistics prove there are very few incidents. That's And by the way, we will find your uh, sailor after they kill you because we have cameras aboard. <laughs> and that's the way we do <laughs> deal with crime on the map. Well,
2: why would... I mean, really, why would they bother? But that's just throwing good money after bad. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Really, honestly. I mean, those things are just freight freight expresses to hell anyway. When you see Gresham, you know <laughs> what you're in for, don't you? You just buckle yourself in. The time is now. Is it... Um, I mean... Well, I was just going to say the time has come for Max, uh, Max riders to really arm themselves against against the menace. Many of us do against the – Really? Oh, wait. Is that a little disinformation? Are you trying to throw people off the scent? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, well, let's see. Let's get this, and then we'll take a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
6: Hello, Rick. Hi. Hi. Hey. Hey, I had a little uh, sighting for you. I noticed that uh, a certain Timmy was taken away, taken over for another uh, Tim.
2: You know Timmy that? Ryan was here for Tim Riley on Friday. Yes, he was.
6: Yeah, I kind of noticed that. And uh, did you notice when Scotty J or who what was his name? I, that's what I was thinking. Uh, anyway, I happen to be in Beaverton, and uh, I think I' am pretty sure I saw a Skidman or Tim and Scotty uh, sighting. It was a well groomed. Uh, Wait,
2: here. let's oh, let's stop. Let's back up here. Mm-hmm. Is this um is this the beginning of some sort of like an amused like a joke that you've created for us?
7: No, I don't think so.
2: All right, I, because I, you're I, telling it in sort of a stylized, sort of well, very suave, impressed with yourself fashion. So no, I'm just saying, no. Rick, I have a little story that I well, think you I, may find alluring and interesting.
6: No, I just thought it was odd that uh, Tim, for basically no All reason, right. disappeared after Scotty kind of disappeared, and
2: I don't even like, know what we're talking about. People
3: uh, take personal Tim, days. Tim, Tim, has Tim take a couple Tim, days off.
7: What are you? take a couple days off, and you kind of, you know. Uh,
2: but you I'll, saw, you saw who, where.
7: I saw, I'm I so think, confused. I think it was Tim and Scotty somebody.
2: Tim who, sir?
7: Tim who? Tim Riley.
5: Sarah? Help. A- Anybody? A- and- Dude.
3: Okay, Tim. And you me have- and
5: Scotty together. Tim,
3: did you hang yeah, out with Scotty yeah, this weekend?
5: Exactly. I-, I have not seen Scotty since he left here. All right, there, All right, you, there you go. go. Didn't hang out. And and
6: equation we- solved, sir. Oh. Okay. Well... I mean, I, I did see a well-groomed, uh, white-haired gentleman.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was Sarah who did Secondly, that. Secondly,
5: <laughs> I would not be hanging around with anyone.
2: <laughs> that was so great. That was
5: actually
3: That's not, not even me. Not going anywhere. We gave him his answer. No. Well, I I I saw a well-groomed man, and I think it was Tim. Sarah just reached for the kill button. I'm sorry. A point was established. She was giving me a headache. <laughs>
2: Well, you are Portland's best drunk. Sir. I would not be anywhere with w- anyone. With anyone. Well, I could have told him that. Ever. The best part was, so, uh, well-groomed. Uh, <laughs> it was like he had a thesaurus and just wanted to use all of his words during this one call. And then even after we said, well, no, that wasn't him. Well, okay. And then he just resumed the story at his, like, stopping point. Just started the story from where he was. The best part was, Sarah, I could to see her just reaching for the kill switch. Because I was trying to sort of talk him down, like, "Well, sir, I don't," and Sarah just bye, bam done.
3: I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be rude, but nobody wants no. to hear some guy. But the last time I was in Beaverton,
2: minutes. I was at the Apple Store, and I was not with
5: Scotty J. I was by myself. The Apple looking, Store, looking at computers. Oh, the computer store. I thought yeah. you literally meant a store that just <laughs> sold Apple. I
2: was at the, the sold great store. Sold <laughs> <stole laughs> Apple? Really? That's what I thought you were talking about. No, the Beaverton. I was Apple at store. the uh, Kumquat Emporium, and Scotty right. J. was not in attendance. All right, we should uh, take a break here, huh? What do you think? Let's do it. All right. Take a break here. Come back with more from Tim Riley. Maybe that guy can call all the time. We should have that guy call every five minutes with his most tedious observations. I'm sorry. I'm doing that thing where I make fun of the caller afterward. Yeah. What could he do? Uh, let's see. Coming up later on, Jim Roop, Peter Carlin, top five. More from Tim Riley around the corner. Plus, we'll get to the sorted Scott Daly uh, bathroom story. You Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program.
8: Why? hello
2: it's the Rick Emerson radio program coming up nail gun stories what else here's what I got let's see I got oh man I got a whole series of disturbing stories one of which almost has to have a visual aid posted for it I got nail guns I got dental accidents and not only a dental accident but of course uh, oh, an accident I'm with the dental drill.
5: I'm going to the dentist this afternoon oh after really the show yes
2: okay well you'll want to hear this then so we'll get to that. Make sure, you, make sure you don't get this guy. Oh, make no. sure you don't get um. Now my dentist is a very nice lady. Now the irony is, this dentist who went crazy. His name, Doctor George Trusty. Not so trusty now, is it, Trusty man? Um. Hey, speaking of um. That
1: was so dumb.
2: Made no sense. Hey, speaking of visual aids, if you go to uh, my website, which is regavestudio dot com, I think this is posted. Let me see. No, damn it! You know, blogger, blogger, blogger has been um. <laughs> Blogger's been actually really weird. Uh, Tim, I'm trying to get that visual aid posted. That I don't you, use Blogger anymore. No, I, Blogger typically is really good. I, I, I have WordPress. I have very few problems with Blogger, but I, the last 24 hours, it's been a little sketchy in terms of posting stuff. But, Tim, you sent me a YouTube video, and um, this time you really did because there was a little message from you. Yes, I did. Oh, I found out what happened, by the way, that time that y- you claimed not to have sent me a YouTube video when you clearly had. Uh-huh. Um, I found out that what it is is this. If um, I am listed as a, like a friend of yours online or whatever, um, and you post a video, it automatically sends a message to everybody in your address book. I don't believe I have any friends in my address well, book. Well, okay. I have individuals that I send to. But I might be subscribed to your YouTube feed is what I'm saying. And oh. so then every time you post a new YouTube video, it sends an automatic invitation. Because mm-hmm. I did get an invitation saying like, hey, Tim Tim Riley has posted this thing. Uh, so let's see. I here. forgot I did send you something yesterday. You did. Uh, so uh, anyway, it, this, it, and I don't know that I can get it to play, unfortunately. Let me look. I don't here. see it on here. Now, see, I'm gonna real quickly, and then Aren't we'll have to move man. on because this is very tedious here. Uh, but you sent me a YouTube video. What is the station? WKBR. Man. I guess you could always play it off of your site if you had to. Uh, let's. See I can here. put it on my site. All right, let me hit post and see if it see if it publishes. Um, uh, so okay. this is. This is a little YouTube clip of a guy in a moose costume. Which and is the same moose costume we've spoken of before. And this is the, is this the radio station mascot, this moose? Yes, it is. All right. Okay, there we go. Okay, so it looks like it has posted. So Tim sent me this. Let me give a little background on this. So the, what year is this from? 1981? 1981. So if you go to my website uh, right now, you go to rickemerson.com uh, mm-hmm. right now, and you'll look at this, there is a video of... Three people. Now, there is in the middle is a man in an ill fitting moose costume, and then he is flanked on either side by some guys with bad sideburns, bad hair, and terrible clothing, just as they were transitioning out of the 70s and riding that new wave of 80s fashion. And they're clear. Is this at a telethon? Yeah, it's Easter Seals Telethon. All right, and so they have. Let's see. I'll, I'll play the video here. But, the, but the, the real money point of this video is that in the middle there is a guy in a moose costume, and the moose is the mascot for radio station WKBR. WKBR Manchester. Let's see here if I can get this to play. And then Tim. Timbal- you can't. I have it. All right. And then Tim will. You may have met at a number of uh, appearances
5: that WKBR has staged with Easter Seals. This is WKBR's Mr. Moose.
2: Okay, I have to pause right now to say, A, the facial hair in all of these guys is full-on screaming Ron Burgundy. Mm -hmm. And whoever is in this moose costume, it isn't me, by the way. (laughs) So the moose is wearing a tuxedo.
4: He, he, might, he might be a moose, but he acts like a ham. What do you have from Hanover Hill Exxon for us, Holland?
2: Uh, thank you, Charlie Knight and Joe Champagne. Who Joe a Champagne? And some of the <laughs> other folks
5: from WKBR. Of course. $700. And between the home show, the camp show, and our WKBR Easter basket, $938 so far.
4: Thank you very much, Holland. Don't forget, ring those bells, six six eight zero one two two. Soup.
2: Okay, so there's somebody in the moose costume. Now, Tim, would you like to explain? If you go to rickemerson.com, you can watch this. What is the significance of that moose costume, Tim Riley?
5: That was the same moose costume I wore, <laughs> <laughs> which is fantastic. Now, when we, we we talked about the story before. In fact, now, when I wore it to a, a county fair on the hottest day of the year,
2: <laughs> please tell the story again. But I was uh, kicked into the miserable spot by several children who converged on the moose. Does it rhyme with croin? It does, yes. (laughs) So, how hot was the moose costume when you were wearing it? It was like 90-something degrees outside. Genius. And so this is not you, because you left the station the previous year, but this is the same moose costume. That is the same moose costume that I was wearing. I have to ask this. How did you find this YouTube video showing the moose Please tell me you weren't just, like, YouTubing the words moose costume.
5: I I think I, I was looking
2: up... I
5: was looking up something or other. I was looking up uh, some former PDs that I worked for, and that is my former PD. All right.
2: What was his name? Holland Cook. Holland Cook. All right, so you did not work for Joe Champagne.
5: No. All right. And the the guy right next to him is Bill Morrissey, who was a morning man of WKBR for something like 30 years. Of
2: course, back when those sorts of things were possible. Mm -hmm. So if you would like to see the mascot moose costume that Tim Riley wore once upon a time... Has the station? I mean, it's got to have changed format a million times by now. That oh, moose, I'm
5: sure. Yeah, it's still on the air,
2: though. It's sports now. So they probably don't use the moose costume for anything at this point. No. All right. So if you would, they're li- basically
5: barely on the air.
2: If you would like to see the moose costume worn by Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, please go to RickEmerson.com. I don't have it on here. Watch you. the uh, YouTube video right there, the first posting, and you'll see the uh, you'll see said moose mascot. All right. Here's uh, Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. So uh, Steve
5: Colbert has Colbert has dropped Colber. out of his uh, race for the White House. The announcement counts after the South Carolina Democratic Executive Committee voted last week to keep the host of the Colbert Report up the state primary ballot. The vote was 13 to 3. He poses as a conservative talk show host on the Comedy Central show. Although I lost by the slimmest margin in presidential election history, only by 10 votes, I have chosen not to put the country through another agonizing Supreme Court battle, says Colbert in a statement issued today. It's time for the nation to heal. He said he would only run in his native South Carolina, key primary state. He said he also planned to run as a Democrat and Republican, so he could lose twice. Uh, Colbert is 43 years old. He later declined to file for the GOP, which has a much higher filing fee, $35,000. Yeah. Then the Democrats, $2,500. Why is that?
2: I don't know. It, it, $2,500 to run as a Democrat, $35,000 to run in the GOP. And I don't know why. I, I see. I thought that that would be illegal somehow. Yeah. I would think that you would not be allowed to charge like I'm planning on doing either of these things. I, I, charge different to run as a GOP a candidate or a Democratic candidate. I don't know why that's the case. So, well, you know what you know who really just put the kill in on this? It was the Democrats because he was already siphoning all the publicity away from Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. so would you think at this point would be a good thing? like the Democrats were smart, which they clearly are not, and if they had a spine, which they don 't no. you would think that the Democrats would let Stephen Colbert run because I mean if I were the Democrats I, at this point i 'd be all for the spotlight getting off of Hillary Clinton. You know what I mean because she 's already the presumptive nominee. she 's going to get the nomination unless you know unless an asteroid falls out of the you know, the ether and just crushes her there 's just no way she 's not going to get it. But at the same point, you don't want to be reminded everybody how much how much they dislike her and how shrill and horrible she can sometimes be. So I would have kept him in there as some sort of a red herring. Yeah. You know, but, you know, what are you going to do? This is another reason why the Democrats never win anything, because they are fundamentally stupid. Oh, the Colbert Report is going out the air because of the strength by the Hollywood writers. Yeah, but you know what? But somebody told me that John Stewart, how cool is this? Oh, the I have whole, that here somewhere. Jon Stewart is paying his writers out of his own pocket. Yeah. So, uh, which, but see, I don't even really know how that works, but... Even if Stewart is paying the writers out of his own pocket, that's not really the issue, right? They're still... They've still, they still got a strike or else they'll be scabs. Isn't that the case? Right. And you, uh, and you, of course, Tim, would not endorse any scabdom. No, I would not. No, and I knew you were going to bring that up. No, I'm just No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, as a proud member of the Screen Actors Guild, Tim, you could not advocate, endorse, promote, or encourage any sort of scab-like behavior. No. You would look down your nose at that. Yes. You would ask for the savage beatings of those who engage in any scabbing.
5: Yes. Okay. And there have been others (laughs) who would engage in in, in strike-breaking and and try to get rid of unions. And they, too, will pay the price, some more than others. Are you thinking of anybody in particular, Tim?
2: No. (laughs) Okay, wonderful. So I guess uh, guess it didn't matter that people
5: paid all these dues all their lives and have their salaries taken away from them by some (laughs) young punks. (laughs) All right, then. Bitter. Uh, Meanwhile, yes, Hollywood writers are on strike. Uh, Bernard Lechowicz writes for the daytime self opera The Young and the Restless. He said the writers aren't asking for very much.
7: The strike will go on until the producers decide to bargain with us seriously and until we get a good contract. If they make money off our product, we get some of it. Eight cents is what we're asking for on the DVD sales. That is less than what it costs to make the box, which carries the DVD.
2: I I just feel so sad for the writers because the Writers Guild is known just to be the most pointless and impotent union of all of the entertainment industry unions. I mean, they're probably more powerless than the IBEW, which was our union for a while. I mean, the IBEW did jack and squat.
3: No way. They gave me a fat check a year later.
2: Me too. See, but I never got anything. Why did we ever figure out why that
3: was? You made a decent salary, and Tim and I are like scraping pennies together.
5: Oh. Oh, you made a decent salary, did
2: you? (laughs) No.
3: (laughs) See, I just tried to trap him, and he did.
2: Listen. Well, how, how do I know? I mean, all I know, look, I mean, in radio, I suppose it's all relative. I will say this. I remember when I was unemployed, how my schedule was filled with all of those job interviews that the IBEW sent me out on. It is not a job shop. That you, I'm just saying, neither uh, is SAG. I'm, the killed. <laughs> Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Maybe you have isn't. been hanging out with Scotty. Uh, I think so. Maybe. There's I like don't know. Secret
3: house talks.
2: I mean, I guess it's. I guess it's all relative. But no, I
3: mean, I love uh, you know anyone who gives me a, a check when I was like I needed money more than anything, and they're like here's nine hundred dollars.
2: Yeah. I just I open up the mailbox sometimes I get more than that. <laughs> Some. Sometimes I, sometimes there's a check, sometimes there isn't. Um, but I know Harry Shearer just constantly goes on about the Writers Guild and how it's just like the most pointless, uh, it, it just neutered union on Man, planet Earth. Well, that's
5: Harry's opinion. <laughs> neutered union?
2: I don't know. That's awesome. I, I just saw him bitching about it on uh, Dinner for Five one night, so I don't really know. All I know, as I said, is that the strike is being run by a guy who used to write for Futurama, so I feel like I, I kind of have to root for them just because of that.
5: Uh, So this writer offers up uh, the NBC hit series Heroes, as an example where writers will make no money off the reruns, but the producers and actors do.
7: The creator and writers of Hero don't get any residuals at all because Heroes is not rerun in prime time. It's only rerun on the Internet. Viewers have watched those in rerun tens of millions of times, and the writers have earned nothing off of their work. Don't. All right.
5: Uh, Jay Leno says he supports the striking writers. He has lousy writers. They, they, uh, he dropped off some boxes of donuts. <laughs>
2: Thanks, Jay. And uh, I'd sure rather have that
10: than money. I know. I think your average writer makes about thirty grand a year, something like that. You know, when you average it all in, how many there are? I mean, there are a few highly paid writers like mine, but uh, other than that, you know, most of them don't do that well.
2: Really, what an unfair world it is if Jay Leno's writers are highly paid. I mean, thirty thousand L A isn't very much. No, know? no, not at all. Well, no, that's below the poverty level. Yeah. I mean, in fact, if you, have, if you are married with two kids, that is, in fact, less than half of what they say it takes you to, oh, takes you to live know. there. So. <laughs> it's a bitter, sad shake of the head.
5: All right. Uh, the Portland band, the Decemberists, have canceled the rest of their fall tour because a member is sick. The band posted a notice on this website but didn't say who is sick. The band says there are no plans to reschedule the shows. The Decemberists have been touring hard since their last release, The Crane Wife. Uh, to critical praise. But the band says its ill member has been sick for some time, and the latest round of dates show that the illness is worse than thought. Among the dates canceled are shows in New York, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and Portland. Uh, you know, this yeah, is this band that somebody stole their
2: instruments out of it. The-
3: yeah, they've just had hard exactly. luck.
2: You know, that never stopped Meatloaf from performing. That man goes on stage no matter how bad his voice is, no matter how he's unable to carry a tune, mm-hmm. no matter how poorly his uh, memory serves yeah, well, him. Well, they're
3: canceling their whole tour because somebody's sick, it has to be pretty serious.
2: I suppose. Let's all speculate now what it might be.
3: I've actually been trying to find out on the internets because they, uh, they canceled it last week, but they won't specify who it is or what's wrong with them.
2: Well, now, what is it? how long was the tour supposed to run? I mean, how long? Were we talking months? It was
3: a big tour. They were going to do um, they did two back-to-back nights. So they're going to do, I think it was called the long and short of it all. And so they do one night where they play all their long songs, right. and the next night they play all their short songs. That sounds
2: reasonable. All right, then. Wait.
3: So it sucks. I have a lot of disappointed friends. All right, well,
2: okay. Here's Deb
5: Riley. Well, they found some uh, missing hiker who came here all the way from Nevada and decided to go for a hike without food, <laughs> water, flashlight, matches, anything, really. And those are the kind of people who they usually find their skeletons months later. This guy uh, I out because they found him using his cell phone. Yesterday afternoon, Eric Mitchell called the authorities. to said he was lost, well, up to three hours. And he couldn't find his way to the trailhead at Serene Lake in Clackamas County. Yes, no food, water, matches, flashlight. He was wearing a flannel shirt and blue jeans and hunt his dog for warmth. They find uh, him and the dog early this morning. You
2: know, in cases like that, I always root for the dog. Always. I always root for the dog just to stay alive on his master's idiot body. Uh, Then we have this uh, bizarre
5: love triangle in Wilsonville that led to a stabbing.
2: A Wilsonville love triangle. (laughs) A Wilsonville
5: love triangle. Uh, One person is hurt, two others arrested after a stabbing at a prearranged location between two men involved with the same lady. The woman in question is Ashley Allison Reed. She was accompanied by Jordan Tappert at Wilsonville. to downtown, Tappert is the, wait a minute, he's 17. And he is the biological father of Reed's 10-month-old child. Okay. So she's 18. He's 17. She had a baby from him, and he's 17. And the child is 10 months old. Wait, hold on. This is quite a success story. I'm... <laughs> they're, they're probably on their way to ride the Max aggression before they were seriously interrupted
2: what, by a stabbing. What a what a life you've made for yourself already. A life I'm con- from Clackamas County. I'm confusing this with another story about a 17 year old. Okay, so so, so let me put that, downtown whatever, okay, in Wilsonville. So what, I don't even know what where downtown Wilsonville is. I mean, I know it's downtown. haha. So I, Wilsonville is uh, where Fries is. Yeah, but is he, but you know what I was just going to say. The only place in Wilsonville I know is Fries. Mm-hmm. I actually realize that now. Uh, There's
3: a truck stop too, I think.
2: Is there? There, you pass that snooze-in where apparently people sleep on sheets of plastic that they brought from home uh, and you can clutch a gun as they drift off into a stupor. Uh, I, I, take, two, I ex, take exit 283. I go to Fries. I do my business. I get back on the highway. I go home. So, I have never spent any time wandering the apparently mean and vile streets of Wilsonville. All right, so let's back up. Yeah. So, who are the three people involved? Who are the three spheres involved so in this triangle? Have Ashley, Alice, Reed. Ashley, how does she spell
5: it? A-S-H-L-Y. And Alice is spelled some, strangely. A-L-Y-C-E. Oh, See, so you know it's trouble right there. They've missed children, children of hippies.
2: Seriously, <laughs> children of hippies who can't She's 18.
5: Spell. Now, she's the, uh, one of the oldest ones involved here. And her husband, the father of her child, is Jason Tappert, who's 17. So while in downtown Wilsonville, Reed and Tappert come across Mark D. Pill,
2: who's 18. And Joey DeLips. Frank had, the chin.
5: Now, he had been involved with Ashley Reed romantically during a period of separation between Reed and Tappert.
2: I think in Wilsonville, romantically, is that's sort of a relative concept, too. Mm-hmm. Well, it, this
5: gets better. The relationship reportedly ended with Pill after it was discovered that he is a registered sex offender. Yeah. So deputies report words were exchanged between Tappert and Pill. And the men agreed to meet in the parking lot of the Wilsonville Library to settle their differences.
2: (laughs) You, me, the Wilsonville Library, high noon. Mm -hmm. So,
5: I guess they they got out their lances. And uh, during this ensuing altercation, a knife was involved and Pill was injured in the arm. He drove himself to the hospital. Reed was present at the altercation. She was later arrested, taken to Clackamas County Jail, charged with assault and menacing. Her bail set at (laughs)
2: $22,500. That was a weird little inflection there.
5: Yes, it was. Okay. Uh, Jason Tappert, the father who apparently was... Proud father. At 17... Was arrested and also taken to Clackamas County Jail. <laughs> He's booked for attempted murder and his bail set at 250000 And the knife was thrown into the Olympic, uh, <laughs> the Willamette River. To be where it's going to be, to be, to be, be so with what to of other knives. What happens to this 10-month-old child? I don't know. Maybe she'll be given
2: away. <laughs> In some sort
0: of a raffle. Sort of That's
2: <laughs> <laughs> to, the, to the 99th person today who buys a copy of The Sims, mm-hmm. Hot Date, Volume 2. Uh, all right, I was going to make a bad Janice Ian joke here when you did the whole, uh, father at 17 thing. Uh, okay, about Okay, that. but uh, so the movie just and of all the places, to find the, in the parking lot of the Wilsonville Library. I'm not sure where that is. Well, how big could the Wilsonville Library put? Just a bunch of Daniel Steele and Field and Stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is actually not from there. This is from Florida. Teen suspected of beating another teen on head with axe. And then it, it, here's what sure, we've got. This isn't a Max ride. No, it's not. Uh, yeah. But these are exactly the sort of people who would be on the Max were they here. This is sort of the Gresham of Florida.
5: And a 17-year-old
2: se- with a 10-month-old child. Well, here we go. A 17-year-old beat another knee, uh, another teen in the head with an axe after he discovered his friend was dating his mother, police said today. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, your mom is hot. Uh, Dane Simons turned himself in Sunday afternoon and was arrested in charge of attempted homicide. He is charged with beating Jody Ross, age 19, in the head with the bladed and blunt sides of an axe. I wonder if he alternated, like back and forth. A little bit of blade, a little bit of blunt. Mm-hmm. Leesburg police responded to a 911 call for help at 5 o'clock. They discovered Ross on the living room floor with a cut to the left side of his fade face and blunt force injuries to the back of his head. Ross lost consciousness during the attack. Simon's mother, 35, told police her son was angry because she was dating the victim, a close friend of her son's. <laughs> That's great. That's wonderful. Fantastic. All right. Uh, by the way, you're listening to KCMD Portland. Shall we just plunge boldly ahead here? I have another story from Florida. Excellent. From where, Tim? Uh, Florida, Orlando. All right. I'm just going to let Sarah get there. Keep behind me. Uh, we'll do this, and then we'll uh, do some other things. A
5: central Florida man is accused of punching and attacking a dead body inside an open casket during a funeral. Wake up! Timothy Cleary of Apopka walked into the Harvest Baptist Church in the Paramore neighborhood of Orlando and attacked the body. Orders at the funeral that attacked Cleary, while well, others called 911. When officers arrived, they took Cleary into custody at the church. He faces several charges in connection with the incident. A public defender wanted Cleary help for a mental evaluation, but the judge uh, set his bond at... $350. $350 <laughs> whole dollars.
2: <laughs> that is the yearly income. Mm-hmm.
5: The motive for the alleged attack is not known. I'm digging
2: Thank you. $350. For savagely beating a body? Doing things that's better left Yeah, life really is cheap there. And death.
4: Uh, I'm resurrected. Yes. Memories of this world is effed,
2: man. It is. This world is really effed. Uh, well, we got some other things coming up. Let's do Tim. Let's do one more, and then I'll read you this dental story. And then I think oh, we got oh. Jim Roop coming up here in a few. Okay. Well, I want to set the bar pretty high so that you realize you, you know, in a relative sense, don't have anything to be worried about. Now, if I can ask, this is it just a cleaning or something? No, I'm having a, a a new crown put in. All right. It's it's one of my wonderfully mercury filled teeth. That's
5: that's. Uh, playing uh, several stations in my head (laughs) and it's breaking my teeth in a million
2: places. One of your teeth that was put in during the czarist era? Yes. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) They were just melting down old Pontiacs. Mm -hmm. All right. Hello, comrade. We will melt down this plowshare, make it a filling. Uh, I believe that's probably... Is that Jim Roof, Richie Bristol? I think we should get him him immediately. Well, he's... You're just trying to put off the dental story. I am. I don't want to think about. This. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's get Roop, and then we'll come back to. He Jim probably Raleigh. has the same kind of feelings. Maybe. Well, Let's find out, shall we? Yeah, Ladies please. and gentlemen, from Los Angeles, CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, James Roop. Hello, sir. Howdy. How's, How's life, my brother? Life is great. Are you? Are you? Have you had a day off?
10: Uh, yeah, I had uh, Thursday and Friday off.
2: Excellent. Okay, so the, uh, I have to ask this. Is it is required by law. How are the fires?
10: Uh, the fires are okay. I mean, they're pretty much contained. Just doing a job now, putting them out. Everybody's back home, sifting through ashes, crap like that.
2: Uh, that's gotta suck. You go back home to your you go back home to your house, and you're just like, you know, just looking through just big piles of blackened char, oh, trying no, to oh, find, you know,
10: how terrible is that? Uh just blows. Um, where are you at? Uh, uh where the rider strike things are going on
2: I'm sorry was that was that sound coming off from you from your end or that might have been coming that from was here. from us that all was right from me um okay go well, a couple of things uh yeah. a do you have fillings Jim Roop? oh yeah uh now do, 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 do what kind of fillings do you have Are they modern fillings or were they put back in the in the dark era
10: Adobe clay
2: <laughs> just packed with, your teeth are just packed with straw oh, of course um all right
10: so, so what's the old day stuff
2: now what is it now tim what is the thing do your
5: do your fillings this isn't fillings these are crowns? I'm getting crowns because the old mercury fillings in my teeth are cracking them. So,
2: do they expand over yeah. time?
5: Well, apparently, they cracked the the teeth around them. How does that happen? I don't know, but it's happened frequently. This is like my <laughs> fifth
2: one. Now, I hate to keep I hate to dwell on dental discomfort because I know that it's it's one of those things you don't like to think about. But so. I would be curious to know the mechanism for that. I wonder if that's sort of like an ice cube tray thing where you put the water in, and then you freeze it, and it sort of grows larger over time. Well, the mechanism is it's replaced, and then you're socked with a $1,000
5: bill for each one. That's the mechanism.
2: (laughs) The mechanism is the hand. Then you fill out a
5: check. That's the end of the mechanism.
2: (laughs) It reaches into your wallet and extracts whatever remains of your savings. Job over. Um, All right, then. Well, sorry about it. Now, do you feel the cracking when it happens? No, but, but you can feel if if it spreads too much
5: if you're drinking a liquid, uh-huh. You can feel it, like, go down the middle of oh,
2: oh, that hurts. Oh, oh, so if you're drinking, like, an ice-cold liquid, yes, and you and your fillings are cracking your teeth, mm-hmm. the liquid will just pour in around the filling? Yes. on Now, does that go on to, like, Into a... Into your gums. Right. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. No it hasn't good. gotten that bad yet, but uh. they showed me a picture of it. You, you know, they do
5: that. <laughs> of course. They stick this... It, it's the most disgusting... I can't believe this is my mouth. <laughs> it looks gross.
2: It's like one of those things they would show you in science classes. Here's the surface of the human like, skin, like, magnified 9,000 times, and it... it it looks like, you know, a dinosaur from the Labrea Brea target. I, I, I
5: don't
2: believe that this is the inside of my mouth. <laughs> I, re- I totally remember them doing that, too. Here is, here is your face under an electron microscope. And, I mean, it looks like one of those scrubbing bubbles commercials where there's just all kinds of things with big googly eyes and fangs it's sliding around. the
5: Please turn it off.
2: <laughs> that's like when Sarah and I did this colonoscopy, not a colonoscopy, a uh, colon cleansing thing. And they were like, "Would you like to see the the contained the the contents of your of your intestines on a huge screen?" No, please. Here it is. You know, and just no time to turn away, and that's just burned on your eyes forever. Jesus. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jim. How are you?
10: I'm so fine.
2: Hey, couple good news though. You guys got Joe Torre down there.
10: Yeah, yeah, that is good news. So uh, they, the they... problem is though, I don't know that the McCourts are going to spend any money. That's a that's a problem
2: well I mean because there's that thing where you know he took the, the what whatever an average of every three years he took the Yankees to the World Series even I know that and then and then he you know they said hey how do you feel about a pay cut you know which of course is you know I thought radio was the only field where that happened look you're doing a great job could you do it with 50 percent less yeah I uh, yeah, no. you know ah, and, great wonderful thanks and
10: and Tori at the news conference tried to you know, try not to call his bosses cheap, but he, you know, basically said, "We're going to take the money we have and fill the gaps and the holes." <laughs> okay, great, fantastic. You know, why don't you fill Tim's teeth while you're at it? <laughs> About how much money you got?
2: Jesus. Um, and then, so I guess, did it, the writers strike? Is that officially? Uh, so is it, is it it's happening, now? Yeah, Down it's happening now? Here's a dumb question: Do they pick it, or do they just not go to work?
10: No, they pick it. They walk around.
2: Well, okay, I have.
10: Although that. I asked one of them this morning, I said. You know, for writers, those are those are not very creative signs. I was
2: just gonna ask that. I was actually—you are a mind reader. I, was, I got a
10: big fu from one of those. Guys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna ask if the Writers Guild, when they strike, if their signs are really interesting and creative.
10: Not at all. It just no. says, just Writers Guild on strike. That's it. Yeah. I said you can't put any rhymes together against the producers or something. No. I mean, come on, give you, do it in
2: iambic pentameter. <laughs> Here you go. It's in nothing but you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna speak to you now solely in like uh, you know, do- dactylic pentameter or you know, which is some weird or, or just make it in a limerick at least. You know. <laughs> um, has anybody pointed out to these guys, and again, you know, I I have no dog in this fight, as they say. Uh, I know that the strike is being organized by a guy who used to write for Futurama, so I feel like I got a root for him. Mm-hmm. But has anybody pointed out that simply um, logistically, oh, and then I have something to ask you about this, logistically speaking, that this is a bad time for these guys to go on strike because there's just so much reality programming now that the network's going just tell them to get bent?
10: Well, that's what's going to happen. You'll see if this goes on and long enough to where the the shelved programs the stuff in the can, when they run through that, you'll see more reality shows. You'll see more game shows. But remember, a lot of those game shows you'll see a lot because a lot of the game show writers aren't in the union. The only one I think that's going to be affected is Jeopardy. That's a union signatory uh, 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 game show. The right. of them, the writers aren't in the union. So I, I think you're going to see a lot of game shows, uh, the reality shows that employ writers that aren't, not, aren't union writers. Uh, it's, it doesn't make any sense, really, for these guys to walk like this. I think it makes better sense to to give the producers lousy scripts to work with and say, look, pay us more, we'll give you better stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I am not... I can't remember if I'm a member of the Writers Guild or not. I think I might have been at one point.
10: Yeah, so was I.
2: I, can, I that's how much that union did for me. I can't even really remember if I'm yeah. still a member of the Writers Guild, because I had... I have
10: t- uh, what they call, you know, the, uh, the withdrawal... Well, I didn't. I uh, with the honorary, uh, our honor, honorable withdrawal, whatever that is. So I don't have to pay dues because I'm not working as a writer.
2: I think I think that, that was Tim's thing with SAG. I think we're like Tim was a member, and then of course after a while it was like, well, since since there's no actual acting going on, since there's there's since SAG, you know, there's like no actual there were no actual jobs had uh, that it just sort of lapses or something. No, that was my thing with the Writers Guild. I can't remember. Um, it, apparently though, I'm reading this now. If you read this? Apparently some. What, it didn't take long for this to happen. Some well, some guy who was striking. It has already been run down by a car.
10: <laughs> Where? In New York?
2: Or <laughs> like your res- first response is laughter. In Los Angeles, this is uh, from the AP. A writer was struck by a vehicle and injured in front of Sunset Gower Studios today. Um, Linda Bernstein, writer, told reporters, quote, it just plowed into this guy. So um, so yeah, there you go.
10: I'm sure it did. Um, Probably a producer. <laughs>
2: Probably um, so Holly
10: I was blocking the driveway,
2: man who knows now is it now here's a dumb question are there, and I would like to offer my services for this right now, are there such things as scab riders who get brought in
10: man, you don't want to do that now, why not? I mean, there were some that were talking about it um. There was some sort of hoo ha here at one of these film festivals, the AFI Film Festival. A lot of independent writers were out here, and they were saying, "Well, you know, we are not in the union. We we're, we can write. If you if you do that, you will never write again.
2: Yeah, but, but you know. won't.
10: Once this contract is over, forget trying to get in the union. Forget trying to get a script sold. It won't happen. So is I mean, that, it it will be that nasty.
2: So is that, that they will they will be taking names and there will be a retribution?
10: I think so. Yeah, I that, think it's not like driving a garbage truck. I mean there's there's way too much there's way too many people that wanna write. That will that will go ahead and pick it.
2: See, but, I would, but see, I would think that the, again, it doesn't really matter to me, I'm not a writer, but I, I would think that the studios would be all for that. I would think the studios would just say, well, F you. Uh, for every one of you guys on strike, there's a thousand people out there who are talented, who uh, it's hard to get a foot in the door. We're just going to hire them to help uh, you guys. That's just
10: radio. <laughs> that's just the yeah, radio no. industry. Don't <laughs> no. do that, man. No, it really is. Everybody else goes, well, let's, let's let them walk for a little while. And radio, nice. Hey, next?
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> let's see, do we have an intern around here? Yeah. That's right. That's exactly how that works.
10: All right. Uh, All right. Exciting weekend. I had not, no, I, I was kind of sick over the weekend.
2: Well, you should, uh, you know, I'll tell you this, then if you didn't have an exciting weekend, you should extend your congratulations to Sarah Dillon, who... Oh, don't be a jerk. I'm just saying, it's something to be proud of, you got a little trophy. Uh, you won something, too. I won something, too, but there's a magazine up here called Barfly Magazine, which is a magazine about Portland nightlife and so forth, and their annual awards were last night, and Sarah Dillon, and I am not making this up, Sarah Dillon was voted in all of Portland, and let me tell you this. Portland's a drinking city. There's a lot of drinking, as you know, Jim Roop, You've been here. You've consumed alcohol here. There's a lot of drinking that happens in this town.
10: I was forced to consume.
2: Uh huh. Uh-huh. You, know, you know, you had to. It's part of your investigative journalism. Absolutely. Um, Sarah Dillon last night was awarded the title quote of best drunk in Portland. Wow. So I mean, there's yeah. some stiff competition for that.
10: What, what, what's the criteria? I mean, yeah. it's
2: like
3: to describe it's like your best drinking buddy, person that you like to go out with.
10: Okay, so you did nothing rude. You're you're just a good drinker. You have a good time. You're happy. You're not a...
2: That's how we're spinning it. Yes.
3: That is not how. That is that is what it is, Jim Roper. That is
10: what it is. Okay. That
2: All right. Is what it is. Now, to be fair, it actually the, the description actually does say, you know, uh, can throw down without throwing up, and is great to hang out with at a bar, and knows, you know, the you know whatever the the hot spots. Uh, but um, whatever it is, but, and Rick
3: it, won uh, most likely to be famous someday.
2: Yes, I did most. Yes, likely to become famous at some point in a <laughs> ill-defined future. So, which of course that's like winning the uh, the best new artist award at the Grammys. I will of course now do nothing. Yeah. I will never again do anything. No one will ever. And by the way, it should be noted that I was walking around last night, and you know, just, you know, you have the everybody did ballot and you're filling it out or whatever. And and if you were if you were at this award ceremony, there was a lot of people there. But if you, if you were nominated, they gave you this sort of like you know like a sash, you know, like one of those dumb Miss America sashes or whatever, and it said like you know, nominee for 2007 award. So Sarah and I are walking around with our like gay looking sashes on, and a guy says, Who, you know, what are you nominated for? And I said, uh, I said well, I'm nominated for most likely to you know, to become famous, and the guy goes. Well, who are you? <laughs> so, there you go. So, I mean, that's either good news or bad news. So, it's either an accurate award or an award, which said, I... It's
10: not who I am, it's who I'm going to be. It's who I'm going to be, brother.
2: That's right. Yeah,
10: so, have another drink, buddy.
2: So, so, there you go. It was a good time, and there was free vodka. What can you do? Oh, so, there you are. So, all right, my brother. Enjoy the rest of your day. Try not to be pelted with anything out there. Thank you. Hey, sir. and how about this? You should give these guys an assignment. Tell you like, uh, there once was a writer from Van Nuys. <laughs> There you go, and just have them, you know, and just, to just have them work with that a little bit, just for their own amusement. Well,
10: today maybe. they're kind of ticked off. Nobody's in a good mood today. So I'm going to, you know, especially if they say, oh, it's not very creative sign. <laughs> were... Oh, okay. Well, here's the thing, and again, maybe tomorrow, don't,
2: and please, and I don't mean this with any sort of sarcasm. I, I, I mean, it's not like I'm some big famous, you know, Hollywood hotshot writer. I'm no Joe Esterhaus or nothing. But, I mean, you know, I've, I've written some stuff, and I do actually have things that I've reg- that, are, that are registered with the, with the Writers Guild. And, you know, I've, I've written... You know, a couple a of times. I was published in last films. month's
10: issue of R&R.
2: Really? Yeah. In what? For, in what capacity? You never told me this. In what capacity?
10: Uh, I was uh, I was guest columnist in the the uh, October fifth uh, R&R.
2: You bastard! You never told me that. I have to
10: go find it now. That's
2: all right. Oh, that's all right. Then you know, they profiled me, it. and I took yeah. it home and stuffed it in my box. My box of radio stuff. I keep all that stuff. Yeah. Well, in any event, um, so you know, I got a you know, I got a couple things registered, register, but I'm still nobody relieved, no. But I I do have to say this that um. I mean, even I know this, that in the power structure and the food chain of Hollywood, like writers, right or wrong, and it is wrong, that writers are so low on the power totem pole there. I mean, writers are just at the absolute bottom of the heap, as anybody, even really successful writers like William Goldman will tell you. This,
10: which is silly, because it all starts with oh, the yeah. words on the page. Oh
2: yeah, no, I mean, and I mean that's just, as a guy, as again, who have I have written, you know, a, a few things, and uh, you know, and and it's hard, and I do admire anybody who is a great writer. Everybody knows that, but it does seem like it's just in Hollywood. It's you really are trying to do a revolution from the ground up there, because writers are just so spat upon in that city. Yeah. So, well, which is a shame, but what can you do? So, all right, my brother. Enjoy the rest of your day. We will talk with you soon.
10: Thank you, sir. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. James Roof.
2: All right. Well, I see Tim ran away before I was able to do the uh, before I was able to do the dental story. We'll wait on that. Richie Bristol, can you, uh, you please come to the uh, studio, please? <laughs> I need to get some sort of a sounder for Richie Bristol. Let's see, do I have anything here?
3: What would a Richie Bristol sounder be? I don't know.
2: I got nothing. <laughs> no. All right. To welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, Richie Bristol. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. All right. So, you know. <laughs> be careful, Tim Steph. You know, putting on those headphones can be difficult. Okay. So, Scott Dally from Film Fever. In fact, well, before I do that, <laughs> let me finish this cup of coffee. Hold on. Scott Daly from Film People Radio. Now, this is not... Uh, we're not breaking any news here. Everybody knew he said on the show that, uh, you know, uh, good it's news, bad news. Yeah, well, you know, for for good or bad, uh, you know, I'm sure there's some unpleasantness going along with it. But he's getting a divorce. He and his wife are going their, their separate ways, as they say. So, you know, it is what it is, um, as, uh, as everybody says. So... That being said, that's the backstory here: is that Scott Dowling and his wife are going separate ways and splitting up. So I went out to the Baghdad on Fridays. Gordon Fatboy were doing their thing, and they were showing the Goonies. And I had never, seen, and they have Aaron Duran on on Fridays. He does a comic book review section with them at eight o'clock, and I'd never actually seen him do it live. And even having been in radio for however long, it's still kind of a cool thing for me to see a remote broadcast. I kind of I dig that. Mm-hmm. And so I went down to the Baghdad to watch Aaron talk about comics with Gordon Fatboy. And so I'm there, and, of course, the usual geek squad is there, like Jason Crump and his, uh, I guess, girlfriend, uh, Ashley. uh, They were there. And then, um, God, who else seems like there were Well, of course, Court and Fatboy themselves and the street teamers. And and then Scott Daly is there, and I see Scott Daly sitting with and I will not use her name uh because she's not famous like Scott Daly is so I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to really out her on the air but I see Scott Daly sitting with a a very attractive um a very attractive lady uh wearing some uh, in a um wearing something very low cut dressed in a uh, you know
3: she was looking to she was, get what happened. I, well, see, I don't
2: know what happened yet. That's the whole thing. I, I think can, we
3: might know somebody who knows what happened. I
2: can surmise. But here's the here's all the backstory I know. So I show up, and there was Scott sitting at one of the outdoor, outdoor tables having, like, a drink or whatever, and then he's there with this girl. With a lady friend. With a lady friend, and, lady friend and uh, who was looking fine, I might add. So... And who, at one point in the evening, across her bosoms, uh, somebody had placed—and by somebody, I mean Richie Bristol—had placed a KUFO sticker, I believe, uh, across her uh, across her her dirty pillows. So that was there at one point.
3: Wait, is it a girl? Yeah. Oh boy.
2: Yeah. So I looked down because that's what you There's do.
3: There's a certain kind of girl who wears a radio sticker on her boobs.
2: Yes, there is. Mm, God, bl- God bless them. So. <sighs> And then we'll get to we'll get to what happened behind the curtain or the door or whatever here in just a second. But so Jason Crump and I are sort of talking about what we are talking about movies and we're talking about the whatever, having some conversation about Quentin Tarantino or whatever, and we're, you know, as as we do. So we're sitting there talking. Scott Daly and this woman who we will call Mary. Scott Mary. Scott Daly is sitting there with Mary and they're talking What are they
3: doing? Just having a the
2: next. they are just chatting. They're just talking. And so she, at one point, uh, the girl with Scott gets up and she goes into the bathroom. She walks inside to use the bathroom. And she is not out of earshot like three seconds. I mean, she has just gone to the front door. <laughs> Scott, and Jason Crump reaches over and kind of taps Scott on the shoulder and says, Way to go, you dog. I heard that line. And Scott's like, What line? And, and apparently Scott had said something, um, Scott had said something to the effect of, um, you know, well, hey, after we're done here, maybe if you want to, uh, you know, if you want another drink, we can stop someplace else or something like that. And Jason Crump is congratulating Scott on being a Mac. And so Jason Crump's like, hey, you dog, I heard that line about getting to some, you know, way, way to go, way to put the play on. And Scott does, he he does like the worst cover up on earth. Scott goes, oh, no, no, no. She and I are just friends. We've known each other for a long oh, time. Oh, boy. And Jason said, no, 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 come on. You're totally putting the the moves on her. And Scott's like, no, 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 no. And everybody, even if this story is true, that Scott Daly knows this woman and knew her before they got married, that doesn't matter because everybody has that friend.
3: And that's always the worst kind, too, because that's somebody that, you know, that you've, were together with before a whoa, long-term whoa, whoa, whoa. relationship, because then it always puts the thought in the person that you had the relationship with, like, oh, so he cared about her the whole time? Exactly.
2: Oh, that's exactly. bad. It was sort of an Oreo cookie of relationships, where there was the black, then the white, then the black again. Um, so... Yeah, so 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 Scott is giving this like really feeble uh, sort of defensive like no 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 we're just we're just friends we knew each other for the mayor and Jason says no 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 you know I, you know it's very obvious what's happening here I was I was just commending you on keeping your pimp hand strong or whatever it is they said and so you know we we kind of knew what the deal was. Um, And so then I watched Aaron do his thing, and then I took off. So all I know about this so far, and then Richie apparently knows a little bit more, all I know is that Scott Dowley was sitting at an outdoor table with this attractive woman who was, uh, how do I put this? I mean, she was dressed in a, she was not dressed conservatively. No, she didn't look, I'm not going to say she looked slutty, but she did, she looked, she dressed like she was trying to look good. You know what I mean? She was dressed like she was trying to look good. Yes, exactly like you. She was dressed like she was trying to look good for, uh, you know, for interested parties. So she was looking
3: to get
8: laid. D- dressed to- <laughs> See, you can
2: say that, but I can't because it makes me look like an ass. Um... But Scott was giving the whole, like, no, 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 we're just friends, and, you know, she's just here, you know, because I'm getting divorced, and so we're just kind of hanging out. we have oh, having a lot of time. she's there for me through a tough time? Yeah she's, yeah, she's being there for me because it's real, it's real difficult right now, you know, what would be unpleasantness and all. And I'm like, oh, okay. So Aaron does his thing, and then I take off because Laura and I had plans. So that's all I know about this. So Richie Bristol. Please, now tell us the rest of the story. The
0: well, rest. Well, I was around the corner and we're on, on Hawthorne. Right. Basically, this guy walks up and says, Hey, I want to buy some pot and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, as a joke, I'm like, Well, the only name that came to my mind was Scott Daly. So I said, As I, a joke. I, I said, He's <laughs> sitting with his chick on the corner, go over there and look for Scott Daly. He'll oh, God. help you out. So, I didn't hear that part of the story. <laughs> oh. So I walk over there later and I'm like, Did he ever oh, find Scott? God. Did he ever find Scott? And they were like, No, they disappeared. And uh, I was talking to Scott, where'd you go? And, and this girl, I hear it out of the, the corner of my ear, basically. I guess it's not my eye, but I hear it out of the corner of my ear. She basically says bluntly that he, she took him in the bathroom. Wait, hold on. So what girl was this? That that The that girl? The boob chick.
2: So the guy, <laughs> is, the guy is over there looking for Scott. Scott can't be found. They both weren't found. They both weren't found. Okay. And then later... You caught
0: up with them and they both came out or something? Yeah, I, well they were sitting backstage. Oh, okay, so
2: okay, so they were there, then they were gone, then they were back again. Uh huh. All right. And so did you ask the girl like, where were you just
0: now? I asked them both, and Scott was talking, and she said, no, I took him in the bathroom, and blah 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 blah, and I can't say it over there, and basically Jeez. I stopped what I was saying to Scott, and I said, wait, wait, Scott, what did you just say? And then he was, she was saying. Pretty in detail what they were doing, and I Hello. looked at Scott and I was like, is "Did this you plan?" And he didn't know what to say.
2: Just... Well, he, he didn't did... know what to say. He's being all shy. A gentleman doesn't tell Richie Bristol. <laughs> I'm in a public bathroom.
3: <laughs> oh God, he better be careful. He's gonna pull a Dennis and get her all knocked up on the sink.
2: Oh yeah, dude, don't do that. Yeah, you don't want to do that. It this was is a, not the time. It's too soon, Scott Daly. Um, we know you're a fertile man. Was this now? Did she describe in detail what they had done? She started to. Did he stop her? Well, what I was going to ask, what I was going to ask is, was there any danger of knocking her up? If you know what I mean. Uh, I have no clue. Okay. You no, know I mean, did, did you mean was there? You know,
3: give us the give us the um, the censored
2: version of what happened. Uh... Like you don't. So she told you, and by the way, so she volunteered this to you that she dragged Scott into the bathroom. Yeah, I asked them which one. I've never been in the ba- the bathroom at the uh, at the Baghdad, so I don't even really know what that's like. Is it a gender-neutral bathroom, or is there a men's room
0: and a, and a woman's room? No, I asked them which one. They said female because they didn't want to, there was. They is it a one-person person one bathroom? The
3: one inside, well, the, it is in the, like in the main part of the Baghdad, like the restaurant part, in yeah. the front, the restaurant yeah, bar part. Just, yeah, but it's I a mean, bathroom, it, but it's, always dirty. it's a
2: single, it's a single woman's bathroom. That explains it. Yeah, But it's it's right in the middle of like all the tables. I mean, so there's no way for them to walk in there and walk out without everybody seeing them. I'm pretty sure everybody saw. Look at you, look at you, Scat Dally, you dog. Uh all she right.
3: said they did a little humpy hump?
2: <laughs> Basically. See, I wasn't going to say that. I was just going to maybe, maybe they were perhaps, perhaps
3: just... I feel like I'm just here to ask. <sighs> maybe, maybe, it was you just,
2: maybe it was just heavy petting. That's what I was going to say. Oh,
3: heavy petting <laughs> is the worst phrase.
2: <laughs> I like it, though. I think it's hilarious.
3: Somebody who was there that night just texted me and said, uh, those boobs on Mary were doing the full-on Victorian breast heaving. <laughs> it was very blatant.
2: No, she, they were, um, she's a well-endowed girl. She's very attractive, and I mean that sincerely. I'm not try- trying to be snarky about it. She's uh, she's very very pretty, uh, but but is uh, very. Uh, I'm not gonna say top heavy, but very, you know, is uh, well endowed, large bosomed, and she was wearing something very low cut. Uh, so she she had kind of this hot like a uh, like leather tuscadero thing going on. Um, so then so then she's to go in the bathroom, and they get their whatever on, they get their hump on, and then they just go back out to the table and just sit back down. Yep. Totally. Fantastic. All right. Yeah. Now, this is the part that I'm treading lightly on now. Someone told me, I don't know if this is true or not, someone told me that you have uh, what was referred to as video
0: evidence of this. Uh,
3: he has the girl on
2: tape. Is saying all of this?
3: No. D- she isn't saying it, did not saying its she? What's on tape?
0: I-, I shouldn't have talked about that. I got in trouble. <laughs> oh, I see.
3: Oh. Well, <laughs> do I still get to see it?
0: Uh.
2: It's not to be public. I I see. All right. Well, that doesn't mean Sarah can't watch it. All right. So there you go. I but, just
3: accidentally stumbled upon it. Oh darn it! Really?
2: Okay. Well, that's fine. okay. Well, that's just as well. I all understand. Right. We'll all right. Well, let's we'll not do them. that. Okay. Let's see here. They're um, getting all kinds of emails about this oh, from various good. people. So all right. Well, good for you, Scott Daly. Way to get back on the horses, they say. <sighs> Well, there you go. Good time was had by all. I guess it's really... I wonder if this is... I wonder if I'm this never is, using that bathroom. Maybe. I are on the Rick Emerson Show.
7: All right, my boy blue in the bathroom. That's what I'm talking about. Hold on. I have Dennis. to... Hold on. No, you said my... What did
2: he... Did you hear what I said? Yeah,
3: just... that's from... Um, who is this? Is this Dennis? Old school. This is yeah, Dennis. Yeah, from old school, yeah. Yeah, but I mean... Boy blue.
2: Boy blue? The old A boy blue. Oh, uh, see. All right. See, I don't even know. I, is that like the Vince Vaughn movie? Yes. Yeah. have you I seen Old seen School? It. No. Oh, it's hilarious. Sitting on my TV at home. All right. Hello, Dennis. How are you?
10: I'm doing well. I just wanted to give a shout-out for uh, for Scott Daly for the bathroom. Nice work, my friend.
2: So vile. Look, hey, and by the to way... Look I, on Sarah's face right now... that's a
3: good now. point. Someone just, Mr. Daly had the no-baby surgery.
2: Oh, that's true. That's yeah, true. He I, did have the big V that happened a while back.
10: And if it's any consolation, I didn't impregnate my wife in a bathroom. It was in a hotel room at the beach. Oh, God. <laughs> That's just vile.
2: you're not gonna, this is going to be one of those hideous things. Was it, Sarah, was it you that you said your parents would point out a hotel when they drove by? Yeah, like, I'm that's there. where you were conceived.
9: <sighs> we think that is.: Oh.
3: oh. Just, I don't
2: know. We were so busy that weekend humping every which way.
10: Oh, so, you don't there, think was, there was a window of opportunity, I guess.
2: Yeah, I don't want to hear that. All right. All right..
10: Thank, Thank you. you guys. Bye. All right. Let's
2: break. So they're well, you know what? i got to tell you, it is, we have only ourselves to blame because we were the ones who I think last Friday or two Fridays ago yeah. were giving Scott to the whole, now's the time for you to go get laid. Go F that ex-wife right out of your system. You know, so, I mean, I yeah, guess. took looking quite literally. Mission accomplished, done and done. Jesus. All right, thank you, Richie Bristol. Thank you. Well, uh the Rick Emerson radio program. We'll be back after this. Coming up, we have CNN radio. Oh, I'm sorry. We had Jim Rube. We have uh, Tim Riley coming up. Top five and Peter Carlin. He said, there's the Rick Emerson show. Don't go anywhere. And yet there you are eating them.
3: These are 100 calories, but the cheddar cheeses are like 300.
2: The thing about pretzels is they're good, but they're not good junk food. I mean, I really do like pretzels a lot, but I like pretzels the same way I like, you know, carrots. I mean, you just got to realize they're not really junk food. Like when you're craving something bad for you, pretzels aren't going to scratch that edge, sir. Uh Thank you to the person who just sent me this picture of Meg White in a tight white t-shirt. Thank you. Finally, this email says, Rick. Did you know the Dropkick Murphys are playing Eugene tonight? If Sarah plays her cards right, she can polish off the whole Boston Irish punk movement in one seven-day period. I hate you all. Watch out, House of Pain. Ugh. All right, ladies and gentlemen. How you doing? Come At on, the man. Ministry of Truth, ladies and gentlemen, it's Tim Riley.
0: And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley.
5: The uh, fire! The people down the people's apartment complex. This happened at the Sterling Point Apartments at 14145 Southwest Teal Boulevard shortly before noontime. A firewall in the attic kept the blaze and spreading to the western units. But apparently eight apartments were damaged. Eleven people are homeless. That 15-year-old arrested in connection with a random beating of a 71-year-old man with a baseball bat at the Gresham Max Station when we tried as an adult. Excellent. And apparently this is part of a gang initiation rite. Of course it is. So uh, belting old uh, white men with
2: baseball bats is part of it. The... By the way, somebody sent me the MySpace profile for that that Wilsonville woman, the woman in that Wilsonville story with the with the two young suitors. Oh yes. Uh, guess what her last mood was described as being. Flirty. Naughty. Pensive. <laughs> no. Regretful. <laughs> um. No. Naughty. Child molesting. Na- <laughs> criminal. Naughty indeed. Uh, all right. So there you go. Here's Tim Riley. Well, here's a
5: little more news from the Dole Fruit Company, but it has nothing to do with the illegal aliens working here. Uh jury has awarded $3.3 million to six workers who claim they were left sterile by a pesticide used at the banana plantation in Nicaragua. Jerry jury has awarded?
2: A jury. Oh, I think they're like the Germans. No. Oh, okay.
5: Uh, operated by the Dole Fruit Company, they accused Dole of negligence and fraudulent concealment. After using this pesticide, it's used to kill uh, worms of bananas. So apparently... And, and workers. And workers. Uh, they actively uh, suppressed information about the reproductive toxicity of this uh, chemical.
2: Well, that's hard to believe. So
5: you should be working for Dole anyway.
2: I'm looking for this... Uh, I'm, I'm looking at this woman's MySpace profile. Her name is, in fact, Ashley. A-S-H-L-Y. Mm-hmm. The name is flanked by hearts on either side. Her mood is, in fact, naughty. Boy... Does she have a lot of
3: sparkly, flashy graphics on her page?
2: I can't tell because it's set a private... Uh, I must add her as a friend to see this. That's not going to happen. I don't care that much. But you might be looking for new friends. Two of them are in jail. <laughs> She's down too at this point. Um, can I just tell you? And I don't mean to do a whole thing here, but look, I will admit that when I type emails or whatever, that I sometimes will use a smiley face or something if I don't feel like it's if I don't feel like it's obvious that I'm kidding or joking or being funny. I will type a smiley face emoticon. I'm not ashamed of it. You know, doesn't matter. It's just a thing I do. The MySpace emoticons drive me crazy. They drive me. I don't know why. They fill me with a disproportionate sense of rage.
3: You know what? I do too. But I have a lot. Of, we've talked about this. I have a lot of people that I know and, and respect
2: who James. have <coughs> what?
3: Yeah. Who know who have those little like smiley faces, like, winking and doing Mood? all that kind of stuff.
2: Jolly, and it's like <laughs> a hat. It's like it's like a smiley face with a hat that's doing like a little soft shoe. Um, she does have this little bit of poetry on her MySpace page, though. This is this is Ashley's poetry. I do my thing, and you do your thing. I am not in this world to live up to your expectations, or down as the case may be. And you are not here to, you are, are not here to live up to mine. You are you, and I am I. She's a real deep thinker. (laughs) You are you, and I am I. (laughs) And if by by chance we find each other, period, it's beautiful, period. Big heart. So there you go. All right, stay away from her. Here's Tim Riley. She sounds like trouble to me. Yes, she does.
5: Well that is too bad. Uh what's uh Sharon LeBeouf up to? He's been arrested in Chicago uh, the 21-year-old star of the Transformers was arrested at 225 because he would not leave a
2: Walgreens. How sad. Apparently he enjoys the store. No, I going shopping. I'm going to stay here forever.
5: He was in chi shooting a movie, refusing to leave the store after several requests. As a result, security called the police. What could be that compelling at a Walgreens? I don't know. Maybe he's trying to buy beer or something.
2: I need this airborne right now.
5: He was courteous to authorities, though, uh, so that is a good thing. He said, uh, quote, work is important to me, and I treat it as... It's been good to me. He previously told Access Hollywood. It's Uh like one of the best relationships I've had with everything. It's really good to my family. So you got to be good at it. Perception is something more important than performance. If people perceive you, why are they putting this in the story? (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's doing court on November 28th. How are Oregon Oregon blueberries doing this year? You ask. Well, the harvest is over, but the fruit's popularity continues to grow. Blueberry sales are exploding. And berry experts say the blueberry is expected to hit a record for production, harvesting, and pricing. Uh, blueberry crops uh, are phenomenal. Everyone loves blueberries. This craze began a few years ago because of various diets and researchers who praise the thorny little berry. Wait, Why well, not buy some blueberries today? Do you love blueberries? I suppose I do.
2: Sarah, do you love blueberries? you are making a
5: point to buy them.
3: No, because I like them when they're crisp, but then I always get the mushy ones.
2: Richie Bristol, on the screen now. Please just type in, do you love blueberries, Richie Bristol? you just, uh, that's a, that's a, it's just a simply a yes or a no question. No. No. Richard does not know. Okay. So I call, uh, this is, I call shenanigans on the study right now. Quote, no, everybody loves blueberries. Mm-hmm.
5: That, that is according a, to Oregon State University Extension Service, who study blueberries.
2: That is a fallacious statement. Our experts say these qualities
5: along with their flavor, long shelf life, and easy processing have all contributed to the blueberries growing popularity. I don't know which story is
2: more pointless this or all of that <laughs> PR text that was shoved into the Shia LaBeouf re- refusing to leave a Walgreens story. I'd like to story. hear more about Blueberries. I'd like to hear more about how Shia LaBeouf loves his family. Please put that in the middle of a story about how he was arrested for not leaving a convenience store. He was arrested for not leaving
5: a convenience store. Work is important to me, and I treat it important, and it's been good to me. I treat it important? <laughs> mm-hmm. I treat it important. It's like one of the best I am I. You are I you. i have with everything. <laughs> All right. I've been really... Oh, it's been really good to my family, so you got to be good at it. Perception uh, sometimes is more important than performance. If people perceive you as a good actor, then they'll uh, wish for you to be a good actor, and they'll root for you when they watch you. But if you come out, and you're going to clubs every night, and people don't root for you anymore... <laughs> <laughs>
2: i don't understand <laughs> that, is, that is the quote that, that, story is that the quote. quote is? On. i'm looking at the story i like a full page was
3: this after his arrest
2: as he was being let out in handcuffs <laughs> oh this is uh let's
5: see here back in june at the premiere of syrups uh, he said he avoids all kinds of trouble other young actors have fallen into by dedicating uh-huh. himself to his work all right so that's his craft his yeah. craft
2: it's sort of in, a, in craft like services. a like olivier uh rick about tim's cracking teeth the teeth crack, Rick, because the fillings in the middle of a molar act just like a uh, let's see, a log being split by a wedge. Oh, that's mm-hmm. unfortunate. He says I've had six of these, and they were replaced by a crown. The yeah. tooth just splits into four pieces. That's really my' have been replaced by by gold. Really? Yeah. Would you like to hear about this nightmare at the dental office? Sure. Why not? All right. Hold on. Let me uh, let me find the appropriate little uh, piece of music for this. Hold on. This is a great story. I Didn't said... we have the story last week? Probably, but you know, why not read it again? Nightmare at the Dentist's Office is the actual name of the story. This is from the Post Standard in New York. A dentist at Syracuse Community Health Center, while dancing to the song Car Wash while he was extracting a patient's tooth, lost control of an inch-long drill bit, which punctured the patient's sinus cavity and came to rest inside her eye socket, according to a lawsuit. Brandy Fanning, 31, of Eastwood, filed a federal lawsuit in court. Is that Brandy with a Y or an I? With a Y. She underwent emergency surgery at University Hospital after Dr. George Trustee was unable to remove the drill bit from her eye. Fanning spent three days at the hospital with a steady drip of intravenous morphine. Since the October 24th, uh, I'm sorry, 2004 surgery, she has suffered facial swelling, nerve damage, chronic infections, and has had multiple bacteria bouts inside her sinus cavity. Her lawyer says lots of, quote, bacterial seepage has happened. Fanning went into the emergency dental clinic at the health center after the pain and a molar on her left side started getting worse. Unexposed nerve made it sensitive to heat and cold, and a root canal had been ruled out as a possible option. Trusty gave her some Novocaine, and while he was drilling to break the molar into quadrants, Fanning heard what she described as a sharp snap. During the procedure, the lawsuit said Trusty was, quote, performing rhythmical steps and movements to the sung car wash, which was on the radio dental suite. While Trusty was drilling, part of the tooth was pried out, but she continued to feel pressure. Wait, oh, I think I've lost the rest of the story. Oh, I don't know where they... This I don't is know. a bad story. I, yeah, I know, but that's why I wanted to read it all. I'll have to finish it later. Go ahead, Tim. Meanwhile, an Ohio man's <laughs> in serious trouble for
5: allegedly helping his teenage cousins steal trick-or-treat candy. Derek Finn of Cincinnati acted as a lookout on Halloween night while his younger cousin stole candy from another
2: kid. From children. Mm -hmm. Candy from children. Prosecutors
5: are filing felony uh, complicity to uh, robbery charges against Flynn. But he is not new to trouble.
2: Is he a Flynn-Flam man, Tim Ryan?
5: An earlier assault conviction this year already has him on probation. A mother cremated a body she thought was that of her dead son, only to have him turn up alive. (laughs) I'm sorry. Gina Pennington said 37-year-old son Thomas was missing last month, and the body was found. Uh, this happened in uh, England. The 58-year-old mom formally identified the body as that of her son following an inquest. The body was cremated, but police actually found Emerson living rough in Nottingham four days earlier. The case was referred to the in- in- Independent uh, Police Complaints Commission to discover why uh, this woman was not told her son's discovery in the days before she attended the cremation. Inquiries are continuing to formally establish the identity of the body, but they still don't know who he is. This set of circumstances is clearly depressing, and urgent inquiries are sought to find out how it happened. Ozzy Osbourne wants an apology from the Cass County Sheriff of Fargo, North Dakota, who staged a sting operation in the Rockers' name without his permission. Osbourne claims his reputation was tarnished when Sheriff Paul Laney Uh invited 500 people without sending warrants to a phony party at a Fargo nightclub before the Rocker's concert with Rob Zombie at a nearby arena. More than 30 showed up and were arrested. Instead of holding a press conference to pat himself on the back, the sheriff should have apologized to me for using my name in connection with these arrests. It's insulting to me and my audience, and it shows how lazy the sheriff is when he comes to doing his job. Uh, the the uh, policeman said Friday it's his job to arrest people with outstanding warrants. We meant no disrespect to Mr. Sure. Osborne or his show. What we did was a very creative law enforcement technique to lure individuals who have active criminal warrants to
2: come to us. All right, I've got the uh, rest of that story. Okay, when we last left Brandy Fanning... <clears throat> During the dental procedure, Trusty was performing rhythmical steps and movements to the song Car Wash, which was playing on the radio in the dental office. While Trusty was drilling, part of the tooth was pried out. But she continued to feel pressure, Fanning said. Trusty then used a metal hook to try to pull the drill bit out of her mouth. But that only pushed it farther in, driving the inch-long drill bit directly through her sinus and bone, the lawsuit said. Trustee's efforts to remove the bit, quote, gouged and scraped the inside of Fanning's sinus cavity and widened the hole in her head where the drill bit had entered. When Fanning asked what has happened, trustee told her, quote, "I swear to you." Okay, I have to stop this now. I swear to you, I am not making this up. I am reading this to you from the Post Standard, the newspaper of record in Syracuse, uh, Syracuse, New York. Mm-hmm. So, so far. The dentist has been drilling one of her molars. He was dancing around to the song Car Wash. Imagine that you are in the chair. First of all, she's not asleep, right? She's awake. It's just a local anesthetic. So you're there. (laughs) Nothing. Don't you worry about it. (laughs) No, it's okay. It's quite normal. He's dancing around to the song Car Wash, which makes the whole thing surreal and terrifying to begin with. (laughs) And then, now you don't know this at the time, all you feel is a weird, strange pressure. Because, of course, we've talked about that. That's one of the weirdest things. Try not to dwell on this when you get your teeth worked on, Tim. That one of the weirdest things, of course, is that you can sense a lot of things happening inside your head, but you can't really feel them as such. Mm. You just sort of feel like a, a pressing. And that is why the dental office visit is so weird, you know, because there's, it's the sound of, You know, something scraping around inside your skull. I mean, it has invaded the perimeter of your skull uh, like a car thief getting by Ed 209. So he then loses this inch-long drill bit, which drills through her sinus cavity and through bone into her head. The drill bit, now lodged inside her sinus cavity, has come off, and he is trying to get it out. He then uses a metal hook to try to pull an inch long drill bit out of her sinus cavity, but succeeds only in pushing it further in. This is like when you drop something underneath a sofa and your finger like your your car keys or a golf ball, and your your fingers are reaching for the object underneath the sofa, but you just reach it enough to bat it further underneath to where it's now totally out of reach. He then drove it through the sinus and bone while trying to fish it out with the metal hook. Trusty's efforts to remove the bit gouged and scraped the inside of Fanning's sinus cavity and widened the hole in her head where the drill bit had entered. It now gets better. Listen to this. This is from the newspaper. When Fanning asked what was happening, Dr. Trusty, (laughs) who could not be more ill-named, by the way, Dr. Trusty told her, quote, It wasn't a big deal, and that she'd likely... This is the most unlikely uh, sentence. That it wasn't a big deal, and that she'd likely sneeze the drill bit out, he said. (laughs) Imagine your dentist telling you, um, yeah, you're gonna have uh, you know a little bit of swelling over the next few days, and um, you know you may notice a little bit of uh, a little bit of trouble swallowing, and probably you know a little bit of fluid accumulation. Back by that number five. Also, you're gonna be sneezing out an inch-long drill bit, uh, caked in caked in blood. Um, and you want to stay away from any sort of uh, you know orange juice or anything like that. Okay, thanks. Thanks so much. Yeah, uh, Janice will ring you up at the front. Thanks so much. Bye now. So there you go. Oh, she expressed alarm, apparently. And <laughs> he offered to call an oral surgeon. Oh, that is fantastic. Let's see here. I think this is pretty much it. I uh, Trustee's notes after the procedure, he wrote, informed patient that surgical burr was lost in sinuses. <laughs> Imagine, how big could your nose be that they can lose an inch long drill bit in there? Ooh. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty much the end. Um, Yeah, I don't think there's anything else here. Oh, apparently she still suffers from throbbing and aching, and her nasal nasal passages are flooded with bacteria. Oh. (laughs) Wonderful. Okay. Dr. Trusty, kids. That's like a clown named, like, Sunshine that's always been uh, convicted of chopping up 15 Boy Scouts and keeping them in his basement. Hi, Tim. How you doing? Oh, I'm fine, thank you. Okay. I got something even worse. Oh, please read it. No, it's visual, though. You have to look at it. So... We're going to do this like let's make Are a deal. Are you just deal. trying
3: to freak him out before no, I dental No, I'm visit. trying
2: to give Tim the option of expunging this from his mind. Okay. Tim, I have something worse than the dental story, but it's visual. It is not, by the way, the video uh, or anything related to the horrible video. Now, but then we're going to do this Monty Hall style, Tim. Mm-hmm. I have here in my hands a story that I think is worse than that story about a woman getting a dental drill lodged in her head, and it's all about the visual. Now, do you want to see this, or do you want to just stay with the dental story? Stay with the dental story. Oh, that's too bad. Mm-hmm. Sarah, do you want to see this thing I'm holding in my hand? Sure. Okay. Now you have to come over here. Okay. Sarah's gonna come over and she's gonna no, look at this I've photograph. Th- I
5: think I've seen that already.
2: Yeah. Bad mistake. It's a news story. Yeah, I think I have This I've is a it. news story. This is a photograph from a news story. Okay, you have to walk closer to the microphone. Okay, close your I eyes. I have to please. disqualify myself from that one. Okay, I'm gonna put it in front of you and then I will tell you to open your eyes and then I'll post this photograph. This is a real photograph, by the way, not altered or doctored in any fashion to the best of our knowledge. Okay. Alright, you ready? And don't open them yet.
3: Okay, they're not. Okay. Oh, What's going on there? Yeah, look at cool. that. cool.
2: Yeah. Now, do you want to see it here at the inside?
3: Yeah. Oh, my God. That's the coolest thing I've seen in a long okay. time. Okay.
2: You should post that on your blog.
3: Oh, that's sad, though. She's yeah. not going to survive. Oh.
2: There you oh go. Oh, my God. Okay. Todd, and this is, by the way, this is from, this is london.co.uk, and I'll get this posted on my blog, and I think Sarah's going to do it, too. Toddler born with... Eight limbs, branded reincarnation of Hindu God. So there you go. Fantastic. So it's a picture of, I swear to God, it's a picture of a child with two arms and six legs. The only cure for that is fire and a priest. Uh, we'll get that photograph posted. It really is deeply unnerving, especially the x ray of her. That's super cool. Yeah, that's what her parents thought, too. Imagine. Well, okay, let's I think imagine about this. Birthing something like that I was many, just like going to say that. Imagine there you are, your mom, you laying back there, the miracle of life. Can't wait to push a child out of your body. Uh, can't wait to, uh, to reproduce and to bring in a little miracle into the world. You're there, feet up in the stirrups, all painful and disoriented and sweaty. And then they bring your child out, and it's got eight limbs. I mean, really, honestly, there's no word. The, the mother will never. That's there's her shrink bills will will be. Well, I, I mean, they'll be bigger than the national debt.
3: How old is that girl?
2: Uh, she is uh two years old, I believe. Yeah. Jesus, God. They're only removing half of her limbs. Well, I guess that makes sense. They're going to leave her with four, two arms and two legs. Because right now she's got two arms and four legs. She is a freaky looking child. There is no getting around that. I cannot, I don't mean to be morbid, but I cannot fathom what it would be like to have a child and then have the doctor go, well, she's got. She's got 10 fingers and 60 toes, and that's, that's really all that matters. Well, she's blessed.
3: <laughs> that is so crazy. Her Jesus. spine just goes on and on.
2: She's got, she's got, she's got more than enough backbone. She's
3: it's got two bodies joined at the pelvis, and yeah. she has the bottom of another rib cage. But down. I think she
2: absorbed all the rest of it. Oh. Yeah, she has like a Jason Crump thing going on there. You know, with, you know, with extra limbs. Uh, here's Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Are you going to post this photograph, or should I? Can you do it?
3: Yeah, I can do it.
2: All right. I can't my, find
3: that specific picture. Though.
2: My blog is all taken up with pictures of a moose that Tim Riley used to dress up inside of. Um, yeah, I would go to uh, her name. is uh, just I would Google search her name. Okay. That's what do. We'll get that posted. It really is horrifying. All right, Tim, let's do uh, one more here. Well, uh,
5: Julia Roberts envisions a future of domestic bliss. My dream is to be a highly fulfilled and productive stay-at-home mom and housewife. Uh, that's what she tells Vanity Fair magazine. The uh, highest high would be uh, growing our own food that I make, and then composting and growing more. A Roberts, who forty-four, o said that life would involve having my own creative outlet, even if it's silly needlework and stuff like that. You know, that. my
2: life is going to involve ignoring any is stories. This from Look Magazine, you? 1952? <laughs> Joan Davis says... I'm white. Uh Yeah. So I, I'm going to ignore any stories about Julia Roberts from now
5: on. Now, she and her husband have two-year-old twins, Hazel and Phineas. <laughs> Hazel and Phineas, really? Mm-hmm. And a son, Henry, born in June. All right. Asked her if she wants more children. No, I don't think so, because <laughs> at this point I'm having so much fun with them.
2: I don't want any children unless the they have so much energy. Unless they have six legs. That's the only kind of child I want.
5: Uh, uh, she said that marrying this uh, fellow named Motor in 2002 was the right thing to do. Uh-huh. He's just my favorite guy. Uh, this hits the newsstand, November 13th. The actress said she'd work again with Denzel Washington, who co-starred in 1993 as the Pelican's Briefs. Could this story
2: be more pointless? The Pelican's Briefs? This really yeah. makes the Shia LaBeouf story look like like hard news from the front lines of Kuwait. Right, you just missed that gold. Yeah, I know, the Pelican's Briefs. <laughs> I, uh, all right. Oh, by the way, we're supposed to vote today, aren't we? For what? is the Measure 49, Measure 50 thing.
5: Oh, I I fast-forward through those commercials. I have no idea what I 49. only
2: know this because my wife left me and I'm like, don't forget to vote. And I guess there's something. Today is the, uh, I only, I guess there's a whole list of things, but I guess today is only the, the, it's, it, the only things that have been really followed are that 49 and 50 because of those ads on everywhere you go. Measure 50 is the thing that, what's her name, from the made-up deli was, in, it was opposed to. Oh. Measure 50 is that thing that puts the cigarette tax in the Constitution. Good for them. And then Measure 49 was something about. I think someone should mess with the state constitution. The, go, the, government, the government is either stealing land, and this is going to stop it, or they're not stealing enough land, and this is going to help. It them. doesn't matter as long as I have mine. Measure, I can steal all <laughs> measure 49. Measure 49 either lets the government do, do more land grabbing or less land grabbing. They're going to do whatever they want. I don't know. Well, that's my thing too. I don't really know. I was going to do There's like nothing a, you can do to stop. I was. That's the spirit. I'm serious. Measure 75 will just instruct us all to give up. The, so I was going to do a little insta-poll with the audience about what I was supposed to vote on, but I don't even have the ballot here with me, so I suppose it doesn't make any difference. I've seen
5: tail ends of those commercials fast-forwarding, but I noticed something else. I used to have an easier time fast-forwarding through commercials because when you rejoin the program, up in the corner they had the little ratings thing. Uh-huh. They stopped doing
2: that. The, the TVMA or whatever? Yeah.
5: They stopped doing that on a lot of shows, and I'm having a hard time fast-forwarding through commercials to get to the beginning of the next segment.
2: Really? Yeah. Do you, do, does your DVR have a 30-second skip feature? No, it doesn't. See, that's the great thing about the TiVo. You can just fast-forward in 30-second increments.
5: I can't have a TiVo because I don't have a phone.
2: TiVo? I have no TiVo. I know. Trust me. I tried like 100 times to get... It's because that, that the, the Series 2 was the only one they had. I have the, the DVR. Time. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I guess we're supposed to vote on the thing, but I don't really care about it, it all doesn't. that much. Nah, <laughs> it really doesn't. All right. Uh Hey, Richie Bristol, Um what do we know of... uh What news have ye of Peter Carlin, Richie Bristol, here on KCMD Portland? Have we... Uh, I don't even really know if Richie's back there. I'm not entirely sure if... R- Richie could be dead for all I know. You may be talking to no one. Uh, you know... He's just he's just slumped over. Oh, okay, all right. So we're not we're not sure if we have. That's fine actually, because I got a whole bunch of crap I have to get to. I cannot
3: so, stop looking at this picture
2: of the eight legged baby. Yeah. Have you posted it on your blog? Yes. Okay, that's sarahxdillon.com. Go look at this picture of the uh, the freaky baby. What's weird is that like they let the baby you know live for a couple years before they decided that maybe they wanted to see if she could just scamper around real fast. Okay, so she's not to gonna
3: die. Up. Well, unless no. she has surgery. Okay, because I thought it said she's not going to survive her teens, but is unlikely to survive if, unless she doesn't have the surgery.
2: No. Trying to, I mean, it, I just, I'm trying to fathom what it would be like it, to have a child with eight limbs. And then and just, she'll love it. Well, That's why you shouldn't have children. Well, see, no, I, I mean, I didn't want to say that, but I think, but really, honestly, I mean. No, you're a bad person. No, okay. I mean, it's not that I'm a bad person. Well, I you hope you it to, isn't. You, <laughs> That's you have to patronize. Pay less shoes, going to bit. What's that? Yes, the patronized, patronize pay less shoes. I mean, Sarah, could you like? Look, I know you don't want to have children, but if you had a baby that had eight limbs, would you love it?
3: That is uh, that's entrapment.
2: I'm not. I'm not. It's, it's simply a question. I I don't mean to be. I don't mean to be. To be I have a dark dog that eats its own thing. poop.
3: I think I could love it.
2: <laughs> yeah. The child is not a dog, Sarah. Oh yeah. Um. So. But well, I don't think
3: you could love it. Could you,
2: right I, I don't think I'd be just, scared
3: of I, it. You'd be afraid to be standing in your room with its little eight legs. Oh, man. Around. How
2: creepy would that be? Okay, let's talk about that and for a second. And it
3: wants a good night hug and it wraps its legs all around you. <laughs> no. Maybe it, has re-
2: maybe it has
5: restless leg syndrome.
2: <laughs> what if you woke it's up and... its toes and you, crossing <laughs> You really have to go to, to SarahXVilla.com <laughs> and look at a picture of this baby. This baby. You know, that baby with two heads was freaky enough. This baby's got eight limbs. No,
3: there's something What? If, let me ask you this.
2: What if you... That, that'd be one of those lifetime movies. My baby. <laughs> Had eight limbs and it would be like Pam Dauber, you know. And it would
3: totally be called that, too.
2: <laughs> yeah, totally. Thank My that. baby had six legs and two arms. <laughs> what if you woke up in the middle of the night and the baby was just sort of hovering, like dangling from the ceiling fan, looking oh, down no. at you?
3: I think it would be worse if you woke up and it's laying on the pillow next to you. Ah, ah, <laughs> trying to mommy, I need a hug. Oh, no, no.
2: <laughs> Are we terrible people for laughing? I think so. Your feet are cold. Well, then try these. <laughs> the 30 toes. That's a lot of socks in that family. I wonder if they. I mean. How do they carry her around? And, well, that, How does was she transport? Go, that was. And she doesn't fit in anything. She probably didn't fit in a regulation stroller.
3: A regulation size.
2: Mm. All right. She's
3: not wearing pants.
2: Well, she's in India, so she can't hear us. All right.
3: Maybe she wears like a big skirt. She no, 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 you are put
2: online. <laughs> you just put her in a dress. That's you. If your baby has uh, six legs, you put her in a dress. It's a whole lot of skirts. In that way they were lucky that she was a, that she was a girl, you know, not a boy. So they would they would need a bicycle built for two. <laughs> bicycle built <book> for five? <laughs> what are you talking about? Ah, oh, boy, I know that we're awful people, but it is I don't pa- think we're awful. Well look, they're the oh, look they're the idiots that think that she's the reincarnation of Vishnu. I mean <laughs> I mean, seriously. And if she is the reincarnation of Vishnu, what are you doing chopping off part of her body? Is that any way to treat God? Really, honestly. Is that, is that any way to treat a deity? I wonder if this is some huge conspiracy in their country,
3: because she'll die if she doesn't have the surgery, but if she does get the surgery, then she won't be... Now, is she going to die anything. if she doesn't have the yeah, surgery? Why? said she wouldn't survive her teens. I don't know. But wh- why would that be the case? I'm not a doctor.
2: <laughs> All this time, I thought... <laughs> Surprise. I don't understand. I mean, now I'm really interested in this, because... A toddler born with eight limbs and believed by some to be the reincarnation of the multi-limbed Hindu goddess Vishnu, who I believe is the god of destruction. I do believe that Vishnu is the god of death or something. Um, he said was, so
3: she was born on the day of celebration of the, of the Hindu deity Vishnu. Uh,
2: her mother, Punam Tatma, says she believed her daughter was a miracle reincarnation of Vishnu. That's like if you believed a baby was the reincarnation of Jesus and the first thing you wanted to do was hold it down and cut half of it away. That's no way to treat a savior, even if it is the God of death. Ah, uh, let's see. Now people are calling about the eight-limbed baby. Hello, you're on the Rick Emerson Show.
10: Yeah, I was wondering, the baby's two, right, at this point?
2: Uh, you know, I'm sort of bluffing on that. I don't know when. It's not, I mean, it's a toddler. Sarah, wouldn't okay. you say it's a toddler? I I can never tell children's ages. Toddler. It is going to be, be a 12. magical
6: moment when that baby takes its first galloping steps.
2: The pitter patter of hundreds of little toes on the floor. The pitter patter of, uh, nah, I don't know. Does where she have going all her that. toes?
3: Well,
8: like I would imagine. A couple
2: toes. I'm looking at the, I'm looking at it here, and the toes are all painted. I know. All 60 of them. Well, that's a, that's a there lot. There of... are
3: 60 toes?
2: Wait, there, there are, are 60 toes. toes. There are 60 toes. toes. No, that's what, I, that's what I made that joke earlier, about. No, there'd be 30 toes. No, 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 there's 60. That would be 30. Wait. <laughs> There's only five toes on a foot. Siamese twins joined at the hair. Oh, my God. Wait, hold on. How many? Oh, that guy just run away. How many toes are there? <laughs> There's 30. Right? Yes, she has six legs. She has eight limbs, six <laughs> legs. Okay, you're right about that. Okay, I'm sorry. That's my bad.
3: i 60 toes. I'm like, good Lord. How many legs? You know, but have... it took
2: you forever
10: to catch that error. <laughs>
2: Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
10: Uh, guess the movie quote, time. Yes. Uh, here it is. A polar bear fell on me. The
2: real movie quote. Why are you calling with this, sir? We're talking about a six- Because I don't
10: think that you can guess it. That's why. Talking
2: about an eight-limbed baby. All right. Uh, No, I-
10: pop culture.
2: I have no idea, sir.
10: Okay, great. Bye. Goodbye. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks so much.
2: Thanks for helping. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson
10: Show. Hello. I have a polar bear. Hey, uh, um, how would you diaper that thing? I don't know. I was There's thinking... like a
3: big skin ball thing going on oh, that's at the bottom. I, know, I
10: can't see the bottom. Hey, real quick, uh, you're looking at it right now. Yeah. How many
6: feet are left, and how many feet are right? And it would make a whole different uh,
10: movie if you had, you know, my left foot, my left, 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 left foot.
2: I don't know. I am. Um, I'm weird. I'm looking here. It's three
3: and three. Wait on either is side.
2: It? Now, are they? Are all the extra limbs feet?
3: Yes. Well, how does that work? Because she has two, her pelvis
2: is fused to the beginning of another body. But that would only be four feet. That would be four feet and four arms.
3: That's true. Oh, she does have arms, then. You're right, because it's...
2: I mean, I can't really see it. I can't really tell No, it totally
3: has to be arms, because these other ones, I'm looking at the skeleton, are coming out of her second
2: rib cage. Okay, I demand to know how it is (laughs) we're just now being told about the eight-limbed child. I mean, she's not a baby. She is a toddler. I would say she's 18 months to two years, maybe. I mean, I'm kind of guessing here. It's hard want. really to focus on it when you're looking at a child that is essentially an octopus. So it, it's hard for me to tell. I I mean, why weren't we told about this? We could have been making grist out of this for the last year and a half. I demand to know why they didn't tell us earlier. Yeah, you got to go to SarahXDillon.com and check out a picture of this baby. It's, un, it's unbelievable. It's freaky. All right. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Bye now. Okay, yeah, they must be hands. Hey, yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, this x-ray of the child is a little freaky, too. It looks fake. I can't get past the fact that they think that it's the reincarnation of a god, and and <laughs> so their first response is to just to start delimming it.
3: I wonder what what they're start gonna take de-branching off,
2: branching it like it was a tree in well, October. her
3: other legs, the ones that are attached to her body, are like sticking yeah, way out right like this.
2: Yeah, and can you transplant these legs onto a baby that doesn't have legs? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Well, I don't know. Uh, hello. Hi.
9: Oh, uh, hey, this is Logan.
2: Logan, one of our age listeners. Hello, sir. How are you?
9: Um, hello. I'm pretty good. All, my family just got back from the beach, and we're all listening, all three of us, and we're wondering
10: how many <laughs> a girly special places does this thing have?
3: You know, it really doesn't look like she has any, because she's not wearing any um, pants.
2: Um, yeah, I don't know. The, well, there has to be something. Well,
3: I guess there has to be something, but I don't know where it would be. We
2: think it
10: would have to be like three or four because of all the separate legs. Well, and, then she, and then she has a career when she's older, too. So, Logan. Tell Wendy
2: hi for me, Logan. All right. Bye now. Bye. So, was that your own joke or was that your mom's? That was probably the mom's That's totally Wendy. There. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
7: Yeah, I just want to call that idiot that called in with the line. That's that. Uh, that's from Roadhouse, a guy named Keeger, Oh,
2: you know uh, yeah, the you know.
7: Patrick Swayze. Sam yeah. from David Douglas High School in that.
2: I mean, I'm a Roadhouse fan and all, but really, I wasn't using my whole brain. I'm busy focusing on this eight-limbed baby, as you would be, too.
7: Well, the so. guy makes me mad. He's calling you to death when you are the pop culture king.
2: Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. And let me that. tell
7: you that Friday at 3 is the worst time of my life every oh, week.
2: Well, thank you, sir. Oh. I appreciate
7: it. You guys are great. Thank you. You're absolutely great. Thanks. Bye. All right, bye now.
2: All right. Yeah, if you haven't seen this, uh, you got to go to com. I can't believe I waited until so long in the program to bring this up. I can't believe
3: either. How long what have it? you had this story?
2: Oh, since this morning. So yes. did
3: just go to the, the, are they just announcing it no, today? No, yeah, that's
2: what I'm saying. The, the child's like two years old, and uh, we're just now being told about this. Uh, this email says, Rick, I'm looking at the photo. Where is it? See, the same question. Where is the place where the business is done? I, I think
3: maybe it's on her back. I, oh, really? Well, I mean, don't you think because all the legs are there, you can see her stomach? And obviously they have to meet at some point, and you can't see, you know, she's never showed her back.
2: You don't mean on her, you mean on her backside. You don't mean on her back. No, back side. Well, like somewhere in between all those legs. It's on her back. Now you're just entering new realms of weirdness. Where is it? Where? like keep it in a box outside. It uh, says, I can't see any place in the photo to do business. She must be all backed up. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Oh, here. you know
3: what? I'm looking at this lower picture, and see this thing? that thing, and then there's like some Oh,
2: I haven't taping. seen that photograph.
3: So it looks like maybe something's going on back okay, there. Okay, that
2: is so disturbing. I mean, I'm going to post that one I'm too. looking at the photograph. Okay, this is a photograph of the eight-limbed baby child-toddler thing, um, sort of um, posing on the mom. Like the leaning
3: mom... on her like a spider.
2: I mean, uh, serious spider. <laughs> the, the. I mean, how do I put this? I don't mean to sound as though I am ridiculing religion in any way, but... Thank God that the mom is some weird, superstitious freak because that probably makes it. Because otherwise, otherwise she would have kicked that kid down a sewer grate and run, screaming to the hills. And would she? That mom even now would be sitting in a darkened room, just nursing a bottle of vodka and just whimpering softly to herself. So Jesus. All right, let's take a couple more here, and then we'll have to break here in a few. Uh it's 503 733 297 Looks like we will be speaking with uh, Peter Carlin uh tomorrow, by the way, just in case uh, case y'all want to know. Um Okay, so somebody else is weighing in on the on the photograph. Not the, uh, the spider baby. Rick. I Googled uh I the uh, Google the Spider Baby story. Boy, is that cool? Um let's see. Um Somebody's asking if this is a Simpsons episode. No, no, no. You're thinking of the Simpsons episode Eight Misbehaving, where there is act, where what's her name, uh, uh, where the, the uh, where she has eight kids. So no. All right, uh, we should probably break. <laughs> just, otherwise, we're just gonna end up talking about this eight-limbed baby all day. Jesus. The extraordinary eight-limbed baby. <laughs>
3: She should totally dress like a spider for Halloween.
2: They gotta done and done. They gotta get this kid in at least one Harry Potter film uh, before she before she has the operation done. Like that dog that learned to walk upright. All right. Back after this, the uh, Rick Emerson Show is uh, continuing later with uh, Tim Riley, the Top Five. Oh, we'll find out in what countries the Rick Emerson Show is huge. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503 All All right, let's see here. I right, had a little bit of a, uh, I a little bit of stuff left over some notes from this weekend. We got Tim Riley coming up here in just a couple.
3: I just got the funniest email.
2: Is it about the eight-legged baby?
3: No. I was like, hello, Sarah Dillon. I have a question for you. Are you satisfied with your penis size? <laughs> <laughs>
2: really? Yeah. Oh, hey, speaking of which, do you remember this from last night, Sarah Dillon? Uh, Last night there was the 2007 Barfly Awards. Uh, and I'm not just mentioning it because we ended up winning. Uh, it, I mean, which was you kind know, of sort of cool. It was the icing on the cake, but it was it was a cool event. And uh, you know, I know that uh, it's not a big secret that I mean, Barfly Magazine has sort of you know it's been kind of a you know a struggle to sort of get some things straightened out there and and to keep everything kind of running. It was not easy to do a magazine, and much less you know all of the events on top of it. But last I night, like
3: Jen Lanes, come out on top.
2: No, it, it really did go. Uh, there have been some challenges. They say some hurdles. Uh, some opportunities, as the folks upstairs would call them, but things went really well last night. Um, I am really glad that I won, though, simply because because you won for best drunk. And then Pasha won for Best Starving Artist. And I didn't want to be the guy to, like, to, to blow the sweep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if I had lost after that, it would have just been a big downer for the whole. But as soon as I, I won... Like Byron didn't win. And Byron didn't win. I know. Which is why there's no justice in this world. But I was so glad that I won. And so as soon as I won, I'm like, that's it. We're done. We've got to leave now. Because yeah, we just wanted to leave while everything had gone right. So, um, but do you... Now, the prizes they were giving out last night, uh, there was a whole bunch of stuff. But included with that was a big bag of, like, porn from some... Some adult establishment. Yeah. Do you remember going through all of the items in your bag uh, at the table and then deciding that one of them had to be worn on your wrist?
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it
2: was the... Uh, it <laughs> so was a
3: jelly thing, yeah. It, it was, was a ring. Yeah, I found that in my purse today. Like, yeah. God, I'm That's weird. what you
2: want laying around your purse is a studded jelly ring that goes on a private portion of the male anatomy. The best Those part, have never really made any sense to me. No, well, the best part... I can explain to you later. Okay. The best part is that the ring was a little on the small side. And Sarah's, like, holding it up, sort of waving it around the side, going, well, who wants a guy that would use this size? Am I right? You know, <laughs> to Pasha, who just sort of, like, shrugged and went, sure. Are you kidding?
3: Pasha's the... The naughtiest girl that I know. She's been sending me pictures of all of her little vibrating things that she got last night. And there
2: was a whole bag full of uh, a whole bag full of vibration. Uh, I also want to make this observation. Uh, I and I keep saying that we're going to be done talking about the horrific video from last week, and we almost are. I read the definitive e- the email about it. We got a guy who called up and said that it stained his soul forever. I simply have to note this. There's a little phenomenon that's happening in uh, Wikipedia land, and somebody pointed this out to me. That apparently in several Wikipedia... And if you don't know the video I'm talking about, I'm not going to keep pushing it, but you go to RickHemberson.com, it's there. It's gross. it's It's not the one with the moose costume. It's the one below that that says, do not watch this video. And really, let me just tell you from... Just heed the warning. Go there, read the warning, and then look away. Do not view said video. But... The video is not hosted on YouTube because of course YouTube would have deleted that like instantly that they would never have allowed that The YouTube has its own uh, i 'm sorry, the video has its own URL it has its own website, which is really mystifying to me. I mean my question is like who created that? Who bought the domain? who filmed that? Where did that video come from what unholy orifice on this earth did that video extrude itself i just don 't understand. But there is apparently a little bit of a viral thing sweeping Wikipedia now where people are going in and they are editing and rewriting Wikipedia entries to then lure unsuspecting people to see that video. And it, apparently it happened with some, like, some Panoma County high school or something. Somebody went and altered their web page to say, you know, how do I put this? Somebody altered the website of a high school Um. And they added a fictitious section to the Wikipedia entry about two girls on the volleyball team winning a cup. You know, like the kind of like a trophy. Mm-hmm. And it was about the two girls who really, you know, pulled out all the stops and gave their all for the volleyball team and helped the team take the cup home. And it said, to read more about these two girls and their cup, click here. And so, God forbid, some poor parent who is reading this entry in Wikipedia about this high school, they click on the link, and then it takes them to that that vile creation. All right, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, it is your personal Savior, Tim
0: Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, for the first half of the 30 years, there
5: is no breakaway front-runner for the Republican nomination as the first votes of campaign 2008 loom. That's according to a Washington Post-ABC News poll underscoring how open the GOP race remains. Rudy Giuliani remains uh, having a double-digit lead over his main rivals. But most of his supporters bank his candidacy only somewhat. And has yet to gain momentum among key primary voting groups to, to distinguish himself as the best candidate for the party. Adding to the murkiness of this picture is that Republicans continue to be less satisfied with their candidate options than Democrats are of theirs. And a new poll a third of Republicans and Republican-leaning independents say they would vote for Giuliani if the state's primary caucus were held today. That puts him 14 percentage points ahead of John McCain and 17 points ahead of. Fred Thompson?
2: If only... Yeah. It's funny how we all kind of forgot about that guy. Everybody Quickly. was interested in Fred Thompson for like a day. Mm-hmm. Fred, You know what Fred Thompson is? Fred Thompson's candidacy is sort of the snakes on a plane of a political world. You know, big build-up, one day of interest, no one cared again. That's it. He's done. It, it, I, you, I, people probably don't even remember he's running mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, and then meanwhile, you get a guy like Ron Paul, who, by the way, will not ever be elected to anything. But a guy like Ron Paul, who has more money in the bank than John McCain... But and there, but there just seems to be this sort of tacit understanding that no one's going to talk about him. There's just some sort of unspoken agreement among pundits, the media, and apparently among the other candidates that just no one is going to discuss Ron Paul, which is fine. He's not going to be elected, but, I mean, it is interesting.
5: And there's this little story tucked at the bottom of the newspaper, which could really change things in the Middle East. It says... Iraq, with U.S. support, voids a Russian oil contract. Apparently, the Ruskies had a a big contract for Iraqi oil, so who could blame them for supporting the Iranians now that this has been taken away? So if you want to see who's going to be causing trouble over there pretty soon, it's going to be Russian weapons giving to Iranians. A U.S. airways flight out of Washington was forced to turn back land and evacuate this morning after members of the crew reported a foul odor of some kind. The uh, passengers and crew switched another plane and handed off to its uh, planned destination, Boston. When the plane arrived in Boston, the crew, including the pilots, requested paramedic service. All five were taken to the hospital. The U.S. Airways spokesperson said none of the passengers reported being sick The because of the odor is being investigated. Portland police arrested a career criminal from Utah who was sleeping in the back of a car. Uh, Robert Priest was wanted for holding up a Quiznos at Night Point in Utah, he was found in the back seat of a car at the Emerald Apartments. Uh, he eluded police after the robbery in September. Salt Lake uh, Tribune say he has a felony record going back to the 1980s, including manslaughter. So apparently he was hiding out in Idaho.
2: So uh, that's it for now. All right, we'll do the uh, top five here in just a second. Um, let's see, it's 503 733 2970. Let's see, Rick. Please excuse the David Arquette movie reference, but about eight-legged freaks. Wow. Is it telling that there is like a three-year-old God-cursed child and like half the audience questions, including those of Logan, were, hey, where are the genitals on that baby? said, <laughs> I'm not a PC hippie or anything, but I had to turn my radio down when the talk moved into the mechanics of toddler reproductive organs and whether they're located on her back. Can't we all just agree that this sideshow infant is God's prototype for Lindsay Lowen's future children and be done with it? Just to be fair, sir, we weren't talking about the reproductive organs of the child. We were talking about the um, the area where where business has gotten rid of. I don't think we were talking about the area where uh, where business is done, but where business has gotten rid of. That is the question. That's what this, okay, that is, somebody has nailed, this is what I was thinking of. A shredder? I was, what? No, where business has gotten rid of Like. No, People shred the baby them. is not equipped with a shredder that we know of. Uh, Rick, you're thinking of the Halloween episode where Kang or Kodos, I forget who was, impregnated Marge by a dumpster behind a porn store. The result was that Maggie had octopus legs. Best show ever. That is exactly what I'm thinking of. That is totally what I'm thinking of. Uh, so thank you for the clarification, my friend. Um, let me just uh, re- let me read this one thing here, and then we go to the top 5. Uh, this comes to us from the Associated Press. Somebody sent us a great nail gun story. Well, you know what? I'm going to put this off. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait on this nail gun story right there. For how um, long? You know, I don't know. Probably till tomorrow. Right. And I was going to do this whole, uh, like, four-minute bit here. Tell me what you think about this. I honestly don't know how I feel about this, uh, This uh, the, whatever, the measure 50 or the, the cigarette tax, where the, they're altering the Constitution to put in the cigarette tax. But I guess I'm supposed to vote. My wife is going to yell at me if I don't. So I was going to do this whole thing where I just let the audience determine what my vote was going to be. You know, where I just did like an insta poll, and then whatever the audience said, that's how I was going to vote. You know, now that I get into it, though, it doesn't sound that interesting. Now that I, be- now that I actually described the bit, Sarah... Five, there you go. Well four, done. We're just going to move on from two, that. One, Even as I described it, I could feel my eyes beginning to sort of close... <laughs>
9: Wonderful counting is Mawell Counting counting's the best thing you do. Counting is happiness, counting is
2: ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? you. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley has this top five.
5: They put together with Emily to be the definite list of deputy covenants. So here is their take on the top five cover versions of all time.
2: And what we'll do is uh, we'll play a little bit of the original, mm-hmm. and then we'll play the uh, then we'll play the cover version. These are the top five cover versions of all time, as decided by the guys at the Rose and Thistle.
5: With mention going to Higher Ground, originally by Stevie Wonder, and then covered by the Red Hot Chili Peppers.
2: So here's the original. I haven't heard this song forever. Not this version anyway. I don't like it. I dig Stevie Wonder. That concert already came and went, right? Yeah. Then they tickets sold out in like five minutes or so. Really, there is no one funkier than Stevie Wonder. Even I know that. Keep up. Somebody just get email? Okay. Uh, nothing. All right. As covered by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, resulting in... It it's wasn't... from
5: from Seinfeld.
2: I was, was, <laughs> was going to say, or it's a little bit of that snippet that they use in MTV News, which I think might have actually been peace sales by Megadeth. Boy, I really dislike the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I don't know why. I just do.
3: Me too. I mean, I don't really know a lot of people who like them. Uh,
2: you know, I know you know who likes Red Hot Chili Peppers? Frat guys of a certain era. Frat guys of a certain age love the Red the Chili Peppers. Which is, and they just, and all of the guys in the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Here's the thing: members of the Red Hot Chili Peppers are either unknown quantities or they seem like a holes. You know, I either don't know who they are or I dislike them. I dislike Anthony Kiedis and I dislike Flea. I don't know who the other two guys are. Yeah, I'm done with this. Counting on the top five cover versions. You've Really Got Me by the Kinks, covered by Van Halen. I think this is live. I think it's on the Ed Sullivan show, actually. A little
8: crackling.
2: They were pretty great. I really wish I could have seen the Kinks live. Sort of at in this era. I mean, Ray and Dave Davis still, uh, they uh you know, they tour now and again. But it's not really the same. They were really kind of authentically nasty. All right, as covered by Van Halen. Oh, I don't know why that's not playing. Yeah, I got to love it. Well, yeah, blah 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 blah. You've heard of you. All right, there you go. Yeah. All right.
5: Number four, Mad World by Tears for Fears, covered by Michael Andrews and Gary Jules.
2: This is kind of a creepy song. Even the original version is creepy, which mm-hmm.
5: Gary Jules just like takes it and makes it his own. Totally.
2: Well, that's that's the that, I mean that's the very definition, mm-hmm. right, of the, of this list. Where I mean I hear this now and it sounds like them covering the Gary Jules mm-hmm. song. This is really creepy, though. Boy, I hear that new uh, that new Richard Kelly movie that guy that made Donnie Darko. Apparently, that new movie is like the worst thing that's ever been created. Oh, really? The reviews are just like
3: re- this is only his second movie, right?
2: Yeah. The reviews are doing everything but setting fire to that movie and kicking it into the ocean, uh, as covered by Gary Jules.
3: Ah, oh, I'm going to go watch Donnie Darko today.
2: The thing about Donnie Darko is, here's the conclusion I've come to. I think we have to acknowledge, because even he has said that sections of Donnie Darko, he didn't he didn't really construct them so much as they just sort of came to him. He just sort of wrote it stream of consciousness style. Mm-hmm. I think that guy just stumbled into making a good film. I think he just made sort of a very compelling film by accident. Because by no all accounts... Him. No, I mean, if you look, and you know what? One good film is more than most filmmakers make. Yeah. Uh, but apparently all of his follow-up stuff is just dreck. No this is really great, though. You kind of feel bad, though, for an artist who comes to the fore of the American consciousness because it is a cover version. Because, like, what could this guy ever do that would be better than this? Mm-hmm. I mean, God love him. Maybe he will. But probably not. I feel bad for people who become famous doing cover versions, because then you just get locked into that forever, especially one that is as different and as definitive as this. All right, counting on the top five definitive cover versions.
5: Number three, The Man Who Sold the World
2: by David Bowie, covered by Nirvana. I really dig that Nirvana version, too. Mm
5: -hmm.
2: This is a David Bowie version here. We
8: passed upon the stand.
2: I'm surprised you've never gone as the Goblin King for Halloween.
3: I contemplated dressing as Sarah, but then I realized that nobody would know
2: who it was. Well, you know, that doesn't matter. You'd know it's it's genius.
3: Sure, I do like dressing like men dressed like women-ish.
2: And as covered by Nirvana on the uh, Unplugged Live in New York album, which really is the... I, I think any objective critical assessment would have to come to the conclusion that Nirvana's Unplugged record was really the best thing they did. I mean, not to knock, never mind. But boy, that um, I'm not even a big Nirvana fan, but man, the Unplugged record is really, really special. It's great. And Nirvana's cover of uh, Jesus Doesn't Want Me for a Sunbeam is like one of the best things I've ever heard. Counting down the top five covers of all time.
5: Number two, Rape
2: Me, by Nirvana, covered by <laughs> I'm sorry, I forgot to get the... Uh... There we go. Rape me. What an odd time in American music history.
9: Rape me.
2: You can't really picture, like, Glenn Miller singing a lot of Rape Me.
8: Rape Me. Here on American
2: Bandstand, it's an exciting new ditty. All right, as covered by Storm Large, this is on an album called Nirvana, which I believe is all Bay Area artists covering Nirvana songs. Here's Tim Riley,
5: number one, hurt of by course. the Nine Inch Nails, well, yeah. covered by Johnny Cash.
2: Now oh, I could he do? I still really do love this uh, Nine Inch Nails version. I mean, it kind of has been taken away from him, but this is, especially when hurt in the context of the whole record. This really doesn't stand on its own very well anymore after Johnny Cash did his uh, the cover, but it's, if you listen to the whole record, it still really hangs together. Downward Spiral is probably, I mean, it's one of the best produced records of the last 20 years. I'll give you that. This is probably the high watermark of 90s alternative music. All right, as covered by Johnny Cash, of course. All right. Back after this, Tim Riley, you are preparing news for the rest of the day? Oh, yes. I must be gone now. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Got to go sneeze out a drill bit. Oh, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman <laughs> of in the world. Uh, back at 4, and 6, 6, 7, top of the hour, the way through, right. like, it. back after this to wrap it up. It's a Rick Emerson show. You stay there. I focus on the
9: pain. my sweetest friend Everyone I know Goes away In the end And you could have